Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's the summer of games on TLC. You're gonna get hyped up in the news will live up to your expectations. Or will it? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of the DLC Video Game Podcast. The show that is made possible by patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. That is the only way we make the show. The only way we can cover the summer of games and all the craziness that's going on right now is because people support us at patreon.com slash DLC pod. And in return, they get some cool stuff. They get all kinds of bonus content. They get ad free versions of this very show. They get video versions of this show. Eh, this one we're not doing video versions of. You'll, you'll understand why in a second. And they get bonus content, tons of bonus content. We have an entire other show called Feeling This with Christian Spicer and Alex Solman talking about the feelings behind games. Season one already out. Season two coming, what, next week? The week after? Right around the corner? The 23rd? Yes, sir. We have... The paid DLC program every single Wednesday. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put the paid DLC program out for everybody because we're going to use that show. We're going to record it early. We're going to be talking to you about the Ubisoft uh, spectacular that's happening, uh, I guess, today as you may be hearing this or in your rearview mirror. But there's just too much stuff to cover. But the paid DLC program is usually a uh, wild and wacky fun time where Lana Bashinsky joins Christian Spicer and myself uh, every single week. And that's exclusive to patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. We also have early spoiler chats. We got all kinds of great stuff. You should check out the Patreon. and Help us. Help us keep making this show. We appreciate you. Oh, but we have a jam-packed episode for you today. As I said, it's a special one. The Summer of Games is happening uh, which is not just the Summer of Games show, but we also had the Xbox Showcase, ladies and gentlemen. We had the PC Game Show. There's too much to talk about. I don't know how we're going to jam it all in. That's why we're moving our coverage of Ubisoft's conference to tomorrow. Uh, that is happening for us tomorrow. We're recording and on Capcom. Sunday night. Capcom and Capcom. Too. Oh my gosh, so much stuff. So Lana, Christian, and I will be talking about that. But I'm here with Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. It's the summer of games, and E3 is dead. It doesn't matter that Christian predicted it would be great this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, RIP the E3 bumper, but lo- long live the summer of games bumper. And thanks, as always, to Sean Madigan and his wife for those awesome, his whole family, I think, are, mm-hmm. are contributors on those tracks. Thank you for those, uh, for the bumper, for the summer of games bumper, and... For this bumper. Who's that coming on the podcast today?
That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's our man on the street, our boots on the ground, our guy who's there playing the hands-on with the games as Christian and I relax comfortably in our chairs at home. Anthony Towermina. Hi, Anthony. Hello. I'm here in my hotel room. I'm coming to you live from gloomy Los Angeles. (laughs) It's June gloom. Usually it's a little hotter than this, but, you know, I'm not complaining. I'd prefer, you know, 60s, low 70s to 80s. Yeah. He prefers 60s to 70s to low 80s. <laughs> but you um, yeah, I'm you here. You don't have to be wandering around the uh, the convention center anymore either. It's true. I mean, there are so many things about the the new approach. We'll, we'll call it the new approach to uh, summer gaming festivities. Summer Game Fest. But, you know, how I much of that is Summer Game E3, Fest? And, sure, it. the war on E3. But there's so many things about that that, that are great and walking around the convention center and hustling around that i won't miss that one bit if it goes away well it, it, it's gone away i got news for you well, it's, it's, it, it's gone away it, it could come back yeah it's gone away anyway okay. uh anthony i gotta say um you know we have had you on our e3 coverage uh, i think nearly every year if not every year and uh, i sincerely miss uh hanging with you in person mm. usually it was uh, lots of hanging out eating delicious finger foods, uh, moving yes. from hot room to other hot room, uh, sweating profusely in the sunshine. And uh, I miss it. I miss it. Uh, me as well. I, Christian and I, we had dinner before everything started. And I talked about how uh, I'm a shy, antisocial person. And so having either you, well, Christian gave up on everything. But having you there is like my vessel to, to kind of talk to, but also to introduce me to, because everybody knows Jeff. Um, yeah, I, I certainly miss that aspect of just being able to have somebody to sit next to and be like, oh, does that look cool? I don't know if that looks cool. And I, on the other hand, when we found out E3 was dead, I was like, good, Anthony's off the show because we don't have to have him anymore. Like, he's our E3 correspondent. Our Summer Games Fest correspondent was going to be Taormina Anthony, who is sure, okay. um, very different. Just, yeah, whip smart. Um, very different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I am glad uh, that you are you are still making the trek, still being there in person, because we want to hear about your firsthand accounts. Uh, but we're going to focus on the stuff we have seen so far. Thank goodness Sony had the grace to get this over with a couple of weeks ago, because <laughs> there's just not room in this in this uh, this episode for for Sony. Also, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna st- we're gonna kind of do this in, I guess, a weird order. But it makes sense to my brain because. Uh, the most impactful, most recent thing that I saw was the Xbox game showcase. Um, and then we'll do the Summer of Games uh, thing after that. But let's talk about uh, Xbox's presentation. You know, gone are the days, I think, because of Sony's decision to get, you know, get, the, get to it early. I think gone are the days of a direct one-to-one comparison of, you know, of like who, you know, which platform holder had the best showcase. Xbox. Uh, well, I will say, I think this year, yeah, because there's only one competitor, who had a better Xbox or PC, I guess? Um, but uh, I will say, I think this Xbox showcase was top tier. And it's a bummer that they had no competition this year, because I feel like they would have done very well in the head-to-head matchups. Because uh, I feel like this one had a lot of bangers. 
yes, there was a lot of stuff uh, slated for 2024 and not this year, but I don't, I don't, I, that doesn't take anything away from me, my personally. Um, I thought this was an incredibly jam packed uh, showing of really, really top tier stuff, stuff that I was excited about a lot of variety in kinds of games and looks of games. There wasn't like a large stretch of the same kind of thing. There wasn't a whole lot of gore and blood all, you know, like just long stretches of that. There was a lot of different kinds of game it really showed the, the breadth and variety of the hobby and so much of it was, you know, coming to Game Pass, which is exciting. I thought it was a really great showing. Anthony, I'm wondering overall what you thought of Xbox's showcase. Yeah, I, I liked it. I think that, you know, over the last, let's say pre-pandemic, we had kind of gotten to this rotation of, okay, what we're going to show you is going to be available before the next time we see you. Um, Bethesda kind of set the tone with that, with their fallout Four presentation, they kind of continued that with their next showcase where they said everything that we're going to show you, you're going to play it before we see you again. And so Sony started to follow suit saying, Hey, we don't want to just show you a CG trailer of Spider-Man and say, Hey, here, you know, we have a Spider-Man game coming, but then I think over time we shifted back and, and now we're in a place where it really is. We got, we just want to get you hyped for every game. We want you to know every game we're working on. We want them to be as fresh in your mind as possible. And so that's really what Xbox did here is they said, look, some of these games might not even release in 2024, but we want you to know we're making them. We want you to give hints at the tone or hints at the gameplay or just kind of say like, yes, it still exists and it's real. You know, sorry, Perfect Dark. Um you know, it was like, here, we're going <laughs> to yeah. run through everything. And and there were obviously some surprises and some reveals. So it, it really had a mixture of everything you could possibly want, including the most comprehensive dive into a video game that I think we've ever seen at a E3-esque presentation. Usually that's yeah. like the stuff that you would see behind closed doors. It's the stuff that we would we would sit through and they would explain everything and then we'd go report on it. Now they're like, nope, we're just bringing it straight to the people and giving it to you live on a stream. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, you're right. I, that is kind of like the stuff that usually uh, would be a behind closed doors presentation. But it, it was lengthy even for that kind of a thing. Uh, and yes. They showed a ton of Starfield. We'll get to it all. But yeah, I think I think you're right. And Christian, I'm wondering if you uh, share the sentiment. Do you think this was a strong showing from Microsoft? I do. I think as a show, and you know, as a, we're all sitting here watching it, I think it was phenomenal. I thought it was paced well. They had... Um, people on stage but they didn't overstay their welcome but it also wasn't just you know trailer after trailer after trailer without any context there's like minimal context but enough to keep it the flow going i also think they did a good job as you mentioned showing a variety of games but also games with a variety of protagonists which i think was refreshing after some other showcases we've seen in the past where it's like this dude in this game and the next game was like check out this game with this dude check out this third game. That's a game of the same two dudes from those first two games. And you're like, oh, okay, it starts to feel repetitive. Like this was not the showcase of um, space station. Sure are creepy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Which we've seen before. Um, my, I think knit, I think it stands bigger for me than maybe it does for you, Jeff, is this 2024 floaty stuff. I understand it's hard to say everything you see, you're going to be playing in the next 12 months because um, silk song, Starfield, like games are hard, you know, and it's hard to make games and games uh, dates slip and Jeff was right and everything gets delayed. But 
some of these games didn't even have a year. And then some just had that loose 2024, which we all know is probably going to be 2025. And I understand it as like a rallying, you know, cheering on Xbox. We got great content coming to your box. But the Xbox launched in 2020. If it's a 2025 game, is that an Xbox Series 2? You know, like I, it doesn't, it, it's still, this press conference for me did not solve Xbox's biggest issue, I think, of we got bangers coming that you can only play in our ecosystem. And I don't know how concerned they are with that. Starfield looks incredible. We'll talk about Forza looks incredible. We'll talk about, but there was a lot of stuff that in my opinion still feels a long way off. I think that's a fair point. It it didn't bother me as much just because I felt like there was such a mix and such a variety of cool things. It was like, hey, here's the distant star to think about something cool coming from our teams. And then here was the like more uh you know more immediate thing to be excited about look oh this is going to be a you know fall thing this is going to be a late summer thing uh i thought there was a such a mix of all that that it it, it didn't feel heavily weighted for me in, in one side or another but i understand what you're talking about um let's get into it the the show started with i think with three real big uh highly anticipated things right out of the gate all of them, I think, are much farther off, um, you know, than than this year. And none of them, I don't think, had an actual date, although we will hear lots more about the Ubisoft one. Probably by the time you're listening to this, we will know more about it. Um, anyway, we've been speculating a lot about Fable and when we would hear more about Fable. And I thought the, you know, kicking the show off with a uh, very fun, funny, uh, lighthearted uh, Fable-esque trailer even though it didn't really show us anything about what the game's going to be. I thought that still was a, was a cool tone. It's clear fables a while off yet, but you know, this was more than a logo reveal. And I think it's, it set the tone and it made me excited for what they're doing. Even if I don't really know what they're doing. What did you think, Anthony? Yeah. I mean, big fan of fable. I really enjoyed the, the original three, very excited to see, what playground can do with um, the IP. I think one of the cool things, I I don't know if you had mentioned it previously um, that they had said going into this showcase was that everything that you were going to see was either going to be gameplay or in engine. If it was Xbox first party. And I love that it was all labeled too. everything was labeled and you knew what was what. Yeah. So hopefully like some of those kind of combat looking sequences are, are what they're aiming for, or at least what they, should be capable of maybe maybe not you know fully polished i'm sure we'll get the here was the real gameplay trailer we compared it to the trailer that they released in 2023 but yeah i liked the tone i liked um the narration from richard ayo i'm not sure how to pronounce his last name i like his movies and and, yeah uh, he's great for it crowd isn't he from the it crowd yes yes um anyway i like that idea of Jack and the Beanstalk riffing on that and and you know these kind of clever ideas as far as calling back to Fable's history with the whole kicking of the chicken and yeah yeah it, w- it was a great trailer I you know it was obviously one of those trailers where you don't really have like you said any sense of what the game is is gonna how it's gonna play like you know what what we're gonna get from the developers as far as combat and skills and things like that we have 
some ideas based on Fable's legacy. But for me, I, I just just to see something and for to have them say, "Yeah, this is this is what we're going for," was was enough to at least keep that candle burning on my shelf of candle games. Right. So, yeah. Sorry, Perfect Dark. <laughs> sorry, Perfect Dark. Your candle is snuffed out. Um, I like that idea, candle games. Christian, I know you and I have been trying to predict when Fable would make an appearance uh, for a while now. Were you excited about this or does this fit into the category that you were talking about before of, you know, don't talk to me about it because it's so far away? Column A, column B. I was very excited about it because of what Anthony said and what uh, Xbox had said that it was all in-engine stuff. So that means I counted as my prediction being accurate. Um, but I was a little less excited about it <laughs> because it does feel very far off still. I think what this trailer did for me is assuming they don't revamp the engine in the next 18 months or whatever it is or something like that. I think this trailer did the opposite of what the original Halo Infinite trailer did, right? Like that original Halo Infinite trailer came out. People were like, oh, that doesn't look great. I Is that, that's not the combat we were expecting. And I, I know it showed more actual gameplay in that, in that kind of first Halo Infinite trailer. But this, I think, showed, assuming, again, this is the engine they're using and it's a big open world game, it looks awesome. Like, it looked phenomenal. Um, and I think it also showed that they are handling the franchise uh, with care, as Anthony mentioned, with nods back to the old games and showing that it still has that sense of humor. This isn't going to be the gritty reboot of Fable, you know, <laughs> and he like washes up on a sh- your character washes up on a beach and is like, life sucks. Everything sucks. And then like a gory troll comes out, you know, it's like they're, I think they're showing us, hey, we know what we're doing. It's in good hands. Sorry, Perfect Dark. Um, It's just kind of. <laughs> kind of the message but i think it showed a pretty engine and that they they respect and understand what the franchise is at least tonally and then now we can yeah put it back on our shelves um with anthony's candles and crystals where we will look at it from time to time yeah 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 who knows what the game will actually be but i don't know i was already kind of amped just watching that first cinematic you know it's like Hey, they're making Fable. This is more than than just a, a, a logo. You know, this is actually kind of tone. And, and the idea of this size thing, the the giant and the regular size person and and this and, and the framing of heroes as being annoying. I, I don't know. It worked all worked for me. Um, it, it was odd, however, I will say that the next trailer also featured like a weird size comparison thing. I was like, <laughs> well, that's kind of don't do that. Don't put those back to back. That being said, I thought South of Midnight, which is the uh, Compulsion Games uh, action-adventure game, um, we don't know much about how it will play either, but I also thought that was an evocative, cool trailer. That I felt like these first three things were just like, hey, there's cool stuff. It's going to be really different. We're making cool stuff. Get excited. This is just sort of your appetizer platter, you know, before we get to the meat of what we're going to show. And I just thought it was neat to to have these... Well, we haven't gotten to the third one yet, but, you know, South of Midnight. What did you think, Anthony? Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, less than Fable, because Fable at least had that kind of hint at gameplay. You know, there was yeah. like that section of here's a sword, here's like throwing some magic. I don't yeah. I honestly have no idea. Um, but the art style was certainly evocative. It had this. I don't even know. I don't know if that was the trailer or that was like 
intentional but like this kind of a less than like 60 frames kind of hitchiness to it yeah i think that was very um into the spider verse yeah yes 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 100 percent. and so um i yeah i liked a lot about just this it just felt different it was was something that felt completely different a lot of the games that i think we'll talk about later is kind of like steampunk bioshock or skyrim light whatever you know yeah Um, i won't say which ones those are but you can guess um (laughs) you know this was like i have no idea what this is she has like a magical uh piece of yarn yeah who knows anyway it just yeah it had a it had enough of this this just feels very very different that I'm I'm interested to know more and and I think that that works for this presentation that was just packed with a variety of different types of showcases. Yeah. Christian South of Midnight, what do you think? I love the name. I think it's a very cool name. I think it was an incredible animated short. I I think in terms of like gameplay or video game reveals, this is the thing that uh a lot of folks kind of scream at or throw their controllers at. Like until I was looking at supplementary material after the showcase. I had no clue what this was. First person RTX, uh, RTX. (laughs) Is it ray traced? Um, (laughs) RTS, uh, you know, is it tactics? Is it a card game? Is it world of Warcraft? I had no clue like this. it, It showed me nothing. And so I think from that standpoint, I think it's kind of disappointing. I mean, we talked about it, um, Oh, gosh. Oh, man. It just flew out of my head. There was a game at a showcase. This is the worst story ever. But a couple of years ago, uh, it was a Blizzard offshoot, like some of the folks who left Blizzard. And they were like, the new game by such and such studio, these folks. And they showed this trailer. And it was just like, "There's a, what? what is it? What kind of game is it? And so I feel like for a reveal of a game, this fails for mm-hmm. a reveal of like, look at our cool animation. <laughs> you know, I think that's very exciting. I love the characters. Um, I love the tone, but again, the, it is a third person action adventure set in a magic realist version of the American South. All of that you would know none of from, from what they showed. And so I think that's kind of disappointing in terms of taking the yeah, time to it, introduce something. Sure. It, I think it, it certainly sparked my interest. And I think, I don't know, I, I, the next game was the the massive uh, Star Wars game, Star Wars Outlaws, which we finally got a uh, a title for. And we don't need to talk about that one too much because obviously we'll be getting a deeper dive into that uh, in the Ubisoft show on Monday. And, but uh, I just, I, after those first three trailers, there was the first, you know, stand-up human being standing in a thing. And it felt like, okay, now the show is actually going to start. It felt like this, we watched the trailers, you know, <laughs> I, I guess... It's all trailers, but you know what I mean? Uh, if you're sitting in a movie theater, <laughs> these are the trailers for the far off things. And now we're going to talk about some stuff that's a little closer. It just felt like the appetizers that got my, whetted my appetite and went, oh, there's really cool, different things. None of those things, I mean, other than Star Wars, but it, it also felt like a different take on Star Wars. And it just was like, oh, there's these really kind of quirky things coming that felt really different. It's, it's not, we're not kicking the show off with, you know, looking down the sights of a AK 47 and blasting away some bad guys. It's not, it it just felt like they were kicking the show off with some really eclectic looks at things. And that made me excited. Um, I will say the next thing, which this is my little bugaboo. (laughs) When Christian, you have your own, I have my little bug. I'm really tired of trotting the person out and having them say, we're doing this for you. 
If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't do any of this. Thank you. And it's like, okay, but you don't need to pander to me. You know, your patrons were doing the show for you. Thank you. Oh, we're definitely doing the show for you. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be doing this patrons. (laughs) Thank you, patrons. (laughs) All right. I swallow my words. All right. Anyway, moving on. No, Uh, no, no. I, I, but I, I, I don't disagree. And I, I think the difference is between, and hopefully our listeners can hear this, like this show or like, um, you know, no clip, Danny will do an awesome, I think it's like yearly and kind of go to people or Greg and the folks that kind of funny, I think are really good at all of our friends, right. Are really good at, at, I think engaging and stuff. And to me, when this, in this presentation and in years past, I think Bethesda has come out when they were like, we fixed fallout 76 and it's because of you for whatever reason, I don't think it's, not genuine, but it feels empty. And I think today's felt empty also, where it's like, you're a publicly traded company. I don't, I don't know. It just, it didn't resonate as like, we're in this together, that kind of thing. Um, So I understand what you're saying. I think it kind of rings hollow a little bit when it's a, uh, a large conglomerate. It's like, we have to say the thing. We have to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Just show me the cool stuff. And that you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, have well, the back so of my head. I will, I will say this because I was in the, you know, I was in the, uh, the Novo theater. So I saw it live. And so we had kind of, um, some, some remarks before and after and Sarah Bond, who was the person in the presentation who, who said that stuff, she did it last year and she did it this year and she kind of thanked everybody and she, she gets a little moved by the experience. So I think it is. I think she's just, she's the passion one. You know, she like represents the like passion in a way that um, I, I don't think that Phil Spencer's not passionate, but like she, I don't know, she gets, she gets more emotional. So I think it is a tactic. She's the heart but, and soul of the Ghostbusters. Sure. But it is a tactic. I, I understand. But I, I do think that at least from somebody who, who saw it and then also um, we got a little kind of presentation from a, a few xbox member team members after that with with some members of the press she's definitely the the one that kind of brings that passion through to communicate why they do the things they do so i i will just say that that at the That's, very least it's not manufactured for okay. her it doesn't you know seem what? so, but yeah, I I, I, I I totally understand where you're coming from. I can respect that, and I take it back. I think that's a little bit of the of cynicism creeping into me, and I I try to stamp that out wherever I can. As I I think cynicism is the enemy, and uh, I appreciate you guys for for uh, pushing back a little bit on on that. There's I I, I shouldn't feel that way, so I appreciate. No, that. no, I I totally understand where you're coming from. I just yeah, last year she she brought her dad, and it was like it was like a big big moment for her clearly, and she kind of talked about you know lo- her love of games, and she got really emotional that time. It was a it was a kind of a one of those scenes where like the whole you know crowd rallies behind you and all that. Oh, stuff. that's but nice. Yeah, it was. I, it, she she really to me, I haven't had too many encounters with with her in person, but she just kind of seems like. This is Sarah Bond is is who we put in our presentations to really communicate like this passionate element. And then we we bring out Phil because Phil is like he's the leader. And so he kind of talks about leading the ship. I I also hear what you're saying, Jeff, Um, but I also don't mind if you feel bad. So 
Um, no, I, you I, prefer that I feel bad because you made me, you put it in context of our show and then I immediately went, well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, come on. All right. All right. So uh, before we move on though, let's just take a quick second and uh, take a sponsor. This episode of DLC is sponsored by Better Help. How much time have you spent this week working on yourself, thinking about yourself, spending time on yourself versus how much have you spent on other people? And how do you balance those two things? I will tell you, as a father and as a husband, I, I think by the very nature of those jobs, of those roles in my family, I have to worry about other people. And oftentimes my own well-being my own mental health falls to the wayside, or at least it's the last thing I think about. It's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day of what everybody else needs and not really think about yourself. Never take a moment to think about what you need for yourself. And sometimes I think I, and I would guess a lot of people listening to this, you know, you go, you play video games, you, you de-stress in some way, you go watch a TV show or you go you watch a movie or something, try to de-stress, but you're not really addressing what it is that's bothering you. You're not really taking time for yourself. And when you spend all your time giving to other people, you can stretch yourself thin and then you get burned out. But therapy, honestly, it can give you the tools that you need to find more balance in your life so that you can keep supporting those other people in your life that are important without leaving yourself behind. And that's important. I tell you, I have, uh, I have benefited from therapy and I, I think it is a valuable thing. It's not something we talk about a lot, you know, and I think we should more often. I think it's a useful thing in life. Christian, I know you agree that therapy can be really beneficial and not enough people acknowledge that and, and talk about its benefits, right? I agree. And I can say loud and proud, I also have benefited from therapy and I think we should talk about it more. Um, it helps. It's helped me personally setting boundaries. As you talked about, Jeff, the idea of giving so much of yourself to others. And it really helped me carving out time for myself and knowing when to say no and how to say mm. no with other people. Yeah. And um, I, I made it a consistent part of my routine which also helped me. And uh, perhaps sometimes it's the best part of my week. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is you fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for any reason at no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash DLC today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DLC. All right. 33 Immortals. This was a surprise game. Uh, this one is uh, a 33-player co-op action roguelike. I really dug the visuals of it, but 33 players in co-op. What do you make of that, Anthony? Uh, it looked really cool. I think at first it was kind of like, ooh, is this, you know, is this the, a game that somebody saw Hades and was like, we're just going to make a Hades? But then when all these other, you know, characters started appearing and then they said 
uh, you know, up to 33 uh, co-op. And, and it was just like, okay, this is something completely different. I'm really intrigued by this. It seems chaotic, but it could be really fun. It's, it definitely felt different. It kind of changed the tone of the showcase. And so I was really interested to just, to just know more. Um, I did have an opportunity to play it, but I couldn't play it because I, I had another appointment, unfortunately, but so I'm sad about that, but yeah, yeah, 33 immortals, uh, looks really cool to me and I'm very excited to, to play more. I should say that like one of the best things I think we talked about it last year was about this showcase is so many things, even if you're not terribly interested, it'll it's coming to game pass. I think they said like 27, 21 of the 27 games there are coming to game pass. So even then you're just kind of, you say I'm a player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it changes, it changes your perspective. So yeah, something like that where you might say, oh, I'm, I'm not sure actually, no, you know what? I'm definitely going to play it because I'm going <laughs> right. to have access to it. Yeah, that's right. It changes the calculus 100%. This is one of those ones that's not coming until 2024. But uh, I'm very curious about how a game like that will work with, you know, if you're, it says, uh, pick up, uh, one of the taglines was pick up and raid, which is an interesting, you know, pick up, I think, obviously, playing on the phrase pick up and play, uh, which is a phrase that denotes how quickly you can jump into something. So I'm guessing that means you can quickly jump into a raid, which typically a raid in other video games is something you work up towards and have to earn with lots of hours invested in gameplay. So I'm, it's very wild thing to think of a game where you can just start a raid quickly, easily, fast with, you know, 32 other people, which led me to think, wow, how do they make it so that, you know, one griefer doesn't ruin it for the other 32 people if there's somebody you know trying to mess it up for everybody else because typically raids are high skill and require some coordination among the team in order to do it right and so there's a lot of uh questions in my mind for this one but it did look intriguing i agree i think i have more questions than answers right now and i think the good news for that one is that it is a 2024 so i imagine they'll be answered you know well before we're able to play it but i i'm also curious about um you know the the rogue type style idea of if you die then i guess the other 32 go and then you can just jump into a new instance and go back but how how many of those are bots or how big does the player base need to be or are you in a a queue waiting for 32 other people to play before you can play you know is there a gear loop progression what's the thing that keeps you coming back because oftentimes raids provide that high level loot or that high level gear and that's why you're doing it but if I can just jump into one, uh, how is it matching me? How is it? So I have a lot of uh, specific questions about it. But from what they showed, it's like, oh, Hades with 32 other people. That sounds like wacky fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, sign me up. But I am very curious about the specifics of, of you know, how the gameplay interactions all come together. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to skip over some stuff because we're, we're just going to run out of time. There's too much to get to. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll skip over some, I mean, I'll, I'll mention some things. And if you guys want to pull out any things that occur to you or that you would love to highlight, uh, you can stop me. But, uh, then we had payday three. Uh, I've, I've never been a huge fan of that franchise, but it looked pretty slick. Uh, persona three reload officially revealed. Uh, and then the obsidian, uh, RPG we've known was in development for a while avowed, which I'm fairly certain was, uh, what you were referring to as, uh, elder scrolls light. Skyrim Light, yes. Skyrim Light, I, yeah. I am looking forward to that game. 
Um, Me too. It looks very different from, you know, that uh, initial reveal. Um, I think the art style is a little different. I know that there was some of that conversation online, but um, I know Obsidian makes really great RPGs. And I think, you know, giving them the opportunity to make something like that so that they'll kind of have um, uh, Outer Worlds? The Outer Worlds. Yeah. Right? That's what it's called. I always get that in Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds, yeah. I outer Worlds. Um, you know, that they'll have kind of two-pronged RPG experiences for the sci-fi fans and for the for the fantasy fans. Uh, I'm Yeah, I'm intrigued by it. I think there was a lot to, to be interested in. I don't necessarily... Um, it's not my, necessarily my type of game, but it's on game pass i'll play it yeah i mean i i'm genuinely excited for avowed i mean it, it did it did look a bit like we bought the folks that are making elder scrolls and we asked them are you making an elder scrolls and they were like not yet dude that's a few years off and we were like okay we'll buy somebody else and have them make elder scrolls <laughs> because uh, we also own obsidian uh, you know of course obsidian has a long history of of you know working alongside uh bethesda and making you know making the fallout new vegas and all that stuff but I thought as much as it looks like the thing it's influenced by, I still think it'll be a top tier version of that. And I'm genuinely excited about it. I agree that the, the video made it look not as uh, sharp as I would have guessed, but then I saw like the 4k screenshots and I was like, Oh man, those look really good. So I don't know if the video just, I don't know. didn't, didn't come across as yeah. well as it could have, but. Uh, I'm I'm genuinely excited for Vowed. I I think it's interesting. I'm sure this has happened before, but I I no, can't pull one. But you have a company that owns both of these studios, you know, making similar games coming from first party, where their biggest competition is across the hall, so to speak. Yeah, I think that is fascinating because you have two of the heavyweights under the same roof, but and still making the style of game that you know that that people know them for, and that in this big RPG. And I wonder to what extent, yes, Bethesda going to Starfield and doing that what they called NASA Punk, but a more grounded approach to space exploration versus this fantasy setting opened up the door for Obsidian to make avowed and i think there is a good chance uh that a bunch of gamers might resonate more with avowed than with starfield not that one is a better or worse game but i think for a lot of people that fantasy rpg is you know cereal and milk and and cartoons in the morning you know it's that thing that you've always loved and you want more of it and you can never get enough of it it makes sense and yeah i think there's a lot of people that are really getting impatient for a new elder scrolls game and this could Mm -hmm. fill that hole it's like hey We've got something for you. You know, this, if it's good and which I expect it to be, um, I'm, I'm genuinely excited for it. Yeah. I think, I I think Obsidian showed that they were, they are nimble enough that they can Mm -hmm. kind of go. I mean, they outer, the outer worlds had just released and they were like, Hey, we're making another one. Whereas I think Starfield notice how we didn't really have any conversation about outer worlds, even though it is, I think not technically under the xbox umbrella i'm not sure i'm not sure how all that works but see you know you'll have starfield and then you'll have avowed and then you can maybe have the outer worlds too and then you can have 
whatever the next Elder Scrolls is. And you can have six more years and then Elder Scrolls. Well, yeah, but but you know, the, they'll the be able to kind of fill in those fill in those yeah. gaps, sort of like how Marvel has been able to say, oh, you know, the the distance between our movies is so small that you you know you're always getting hit with a superhero right. movie. I think you're always going to be hit with an RPG in the setting that you like within right. a year or two. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And especially because I, it's not like these are the B team. They, this are, these are good developers, and they're making great RPGs. All I'm saying is that there's a, you know, what's the over-under on one of the planets you land on in Starfield just being Skyrim? You know, you land. <laughs> That'd be amazing. You're putting a wagon. That'd be amazing if away. they just hit. I mean, it's very Ready Player One, but it'd be funny if they just hid <laughs> one of their games in their other game. That'd be very yeah. funny. Uh, it's so big. <laughs> and then next up on the docket, though, is the thing that I didn't think was possible, which is uh, somehow making me interested in Sea of Thieves. <laughs> I was like, what? Legend of Monkey Island? Island in Sea of Thieves? This is A, brilliant, and B, wildly unexpected and super cool. July 20th, it comes out. It's free. Um, am I going to be playing Sea of Thieves? Probably not, but maybe <laughs> closer to a yes than I've ever been in a while. So on the live stream, I don't know if you guys, if it came through on the live stream, but did you, could you guys tell the like wave of emotions that happened as no. it was like Lucasfilm? And then it was like, oh, Sea of Thieves. And everybody was like, oh, and then they're like, but it's there in Monkey Island. And everyone's like, I'm back in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did have that moment of wondering, like, what? Lucasfilm property makes sense with Sea of Thieves, and there's like Legend of Monkey Island. And it's like brain exploding, uh, and I loved how it made it how, how the visuals looked like a really cool blend between the Sea of Thieves visuals and the Secret of Monkey Island visuals. It, it like they pulled it off. It was cool. I'd, I'd encourage you to try this, Jeff. Like I am not a, a big Monkey Island, you know, stan. I've certainly played them and enjoyed them, but is is not one of my like all time favorite franchises. But as someone who did go back to Sea of Thieves for the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, assuming this is like that, but perhaps even better because they've learned from that, that stuff was excellent. It was really, really, really well done. So I have to imagine that taking the learnings from that and putting in, you know, the right types of nods and references to Monkey Island in in this uh, DLC campaign or whatever it is, these, these events, I bet you will love it. I, I, I will honestly bet you. You will love this if you play it. I might give it a shot. I mean, there's no downside, right? It's all it's, it's all Game Pass and free. Just time, and, baby. Just, just time. time. And I think the best way to play that game is with others, right? You gotta get you gotta mm. get buddies. Anyway, um, another game that I admire and wish I would play, but is beyond me. Microsoft Flight Simulator. What they showed blew my mind. It's one of those things that I stand in awe of. I will never take the time to learn how to actually fly a plane or a helicopter, but having all of these wild jobs, like real life professions that involve aviation that are so outside the I mean, like helicopter construction person who's dropping uh, you know, large I mean, everything you can imagine from like flying rich people around the world to re you know, search and rescue. It's like, what's not in this game? Everything that you can do that has anything to do with something that flies in the air is in this game. And, and it looks my favorite gorgeous. job, Fremen. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's uh, got Dune. Even Dune. 
anyway, even dude cool. i wish they could have got the music i was very sad that we didn't get the music the that yeah. lady singing would have uh really set it over the top but it, yeah <laughs> it looks cool and like it, it looks, looks incredible beautiful. yeah exquisite but you know it's not a video game it's a simulator um and then uh, more uh senua saga hellblade 2 which had a very uh you know typically uh thematic and and evocative uh haunting trailer that shows more of that the way we're having a digital character really emote and uh, be present i there's not much revealed there but i thought that was a pretty powerful bit of cinema for lack of a better term i think reinforced the idea of how it's handling her mental state and like they're not shying away from that again i think the first game did a really good job and they talked about you know who they reached out to and the experts they worked with to tell this type of story and it seems like it's going to continue in this right it's not a total rebranding of what that game is because i think the first time they showed it it was just a a combat scenario and this is kind of showing that personal you know narrative um confusing at times who's talking where are they talking from especially if you play with the 3d audio um i I think it looks great i'm very excited for hellblade 2 um then a very odd trailer uh there's a new like a dragon game i've never played any of these i guess this is the eighth like a dragon game uh, I've never played any of them, but if you want a uh, a trailer unlike any other, like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, uh, had a a dude uh, arrive on a beach and be naked, and that's the whole trailer. This one's up well, there with but, South of Midnight for me. What kind of game is this, Anthony? Well, it, it, uh, well, okay, so I I did play Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a, a kind of departure from the other Yakuza games, which are now which are called like a dragon in, in Japan and are now just being called like a dragon. Um, I mean, it's, it's that kind of set of writing and characters, or at least it seems like it based on the trailer that they're going to be in the West. And I'm, oh, wait, wait, I'm so down for that. I'm confused. So th- this is the Yakuza franchise. It's the same franchise. It is. Yes. Okay. So, so I was confused about that. That's, that's my bad. I, I yes. thought when I, when he stood up and he had the tattoo, I was like, Oh, is this a Yakuza game? And uh, then it said like a dragon. And I was like, Oh, I guess, but I didn't realize that's the same game, same franchise. Yes. So, so th- I could, I could totally be wrong, but I, I don't, I, well, I've had PR people yell at us about titling of things, but so my understanding is they've always been called like a dragon. And then just recently they had, um, because uh, the Yakuza games have starred a certain character. It's the guy that you saw in the le- the Summer Game Fest. I think it's called Like a Dragon Guy Den something, something, something. Uh, that character is has normally been in the franchise, but then they introduced this new character with the kind of uh, puffy hair, and he was in one, but the combat was different. The combat has usually been kind of beat-em-up brawler action, and then it was actually a turn-based RPG in the most recent one and so i think this is a continuation of that but still it's technically yakuza universe set in similar places the previous games but this is the first time that they or at least it's suggested by the trailer that they're going to go someplace completely different but it is I, i just don't know how you don't realize you're naked until you look down that's not something that has ever been a mystery to me as as to whether i have clothes on or not anyway uh, then we well, got well, Jeff. Have you ever woken up on a on a beach? You know, yeah. on yeah, the I other side of the world. I haven't done that either. So fair enough. 
Um, I wish I'd love to wake up on the other side of the world on a beach. Can we do that? Fallout 76, uh, and then Capcom's uh, Path of the Goddess. Um, I don't know if either of you were intrigued by that. It certainly had very interesting visuals, but it doesn't seem like my type of game. Um, I mean, this year, I feel like it's 100% my type of game because Capcom hasn't missed. You know, like Capcom is is back on a pretty big hit streak, so I'm really intrigued by what it's going to be. I thought the idea of the combat and kind of the sword flowered, you know, to some extent, it seems like there's not, it's not just a sword, right? You're kind of activating yeah. things or changing statuses with something to then open up to do something else. And I think it looked really interesting. So I hope they nail the combat and I hope it's a great PC port. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it looks cool. been on fire. Um, if I remember correctly, I think it's called, uh, I don't even want to attempt it, but yeah, there's like a Japanese a, name and then it's and called then Path of the Goddess. Of the yes. Goddess and you noticed I, like, I didn't oh. attempt that either. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, because I didn't, I always thought it was called Path of the Goddess. And then I heard somebody say, oh, it's, it's this Path of the Goddess. But yeah, yeah. I was intrigued by it. It Character action games are are definitely one of my, one of my, in my wheelhouses. And it, it looked yeah. really cool. I, you know, timing wise, maybe I won't have time to play it, but I, if it comes out at the right time, I would definitely check it out. And it's on Game Pass. So when also that, yeah. Uh, made a big deal about the new Forza Motorsport that's coming out October 10th. Uh, big week that, uh, October. October is the new November, everybody. That's it's, crazy. It's too much. It's too and much. September. <laughs> September is just as bad. Uh, do you, uh, don't even get me started. I have a whole rant about that coming soon. Um, okay. Okay. But it's uh, a game for- rant, you might say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You might, if you didn't want to sue me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Christian Forza Motorsport looks pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah. yeah, my biggest question is still the single player stuff, right? They've talked about a narrative element to it and they haven't really shown. They showed some of it, I think, of like failing the first time and that being okay and being told to go tweak your car and then go back and do it again. So I'm really curious about that. I am also really curious. This is a sidebar. I apologize, uh, listeners who don't care about this, but this type of stuff fascinates me that what they showed was the new uh, Corvette, the, I think it's a mild hybrid or, you know, partially electric, the E-Ray Corvette in a race losing to a Camaro. So I'm sure somewhere it had to be negotiated that it lost to another Chevy car, but I find it fascinating that a car that isn't out yet, but is the best Corvette ever made. They present as go and put some sick fender flares on it, brah. Like that. It wasn't enough to be good. I, I, I am fascinated by that. I know these games always have customization in this, that, and the other, but here's this brand new supercar halo car. And the first time they show it in game, they show it losing as Chevy delivers it saying, you got to go make it better. Ah, anyway, I found that, Interesting. It is interesting. I wonder I th- if the other car has the same agent as Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> There's the same number of punches per car. That's my understanding. <laughs> um, then we got uh, Elder Scrolls Online Necrom with a trailer, Overwatch 2 with a trailer, Persona 5 Tactica? Tactica? I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, and then, for me, one of the most interesting games in the entire show, I don't know how to pronounce this one either. It's the new g- game from Don't Nod called Jusant, I guess, Jusant, uh, which looks to be a climbing game, third-person climbing game, uh, that, at least from the trailer they showed, appears to have no con- no combat, no violence. 
Uh, and I'm always intrigued by um, games that attempt to make an action adventure, make something thrilling and moment to moment without you having to murder anything. I just think that's a really cool challenge that game designers uh, all too rarely present to themselves. And um, somebody that has enjoyed climbing games in VR, I don't know, you know, and obviously we've all played uh, third person, you know, open world games with climbing. And I wonder how they'll make this uh, interesting and fun. It certainly looked cool to me. I'm very curious about Jassant. What did you think, Anthony? Yeah, I, uh, another kind of category that's in my wheelhouse, wheelhouse is like evocative art styles that have you kind of doing, I don't want to say seemingly mundane things, but, you know, just kind of going through the motions. Uh, Planet of Lana is another example of that, you know, where, you, you know, you're not, you're not just, like you said, constantly fighting bad guys. You're really just taking in the scenery and kind of experiencing the this really impressive animation. Um, I, yeah, I, I was really intrigued by it. Certainly um, one of the kind of tone changers of the showcase. And so yeah. it, was, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I could be into, into this game for sure. Yeah, this, this was like toward the top of my list as most anticipated. It is a 2023 game, fall There's of this year. There's a demo. Year too which i have not had time to play but yeah well no no yeah we're all we're all doing this right after so it's <clears throat> yeah but yeah and it'll be a game pass game too so you know, it looks cool um then we got uh, still wakes the deep which is a 2024 uh horror game we don't really didn't really get much of that just a sort of uh tone very brief tone uh narrative trailer uh and then another of the games that really stuck out for me i'm very excited about dungeons of hinterberg uh, this looked like kind of a cell shaded third person, um, you know, a dungeon crawler, but had some really cool magic sequences. There was a, a moment where the main character cast a spell and was kind of uh, swept up in a whirlwind and was attacking enemies that way. It, it looked like it had some very interesting uh, perspective shifts where you would be in one perspective and then another. Uh, I was I, I thought this game looked really cool. Dungeons of Hinterberg. You guys have any thoughts about that one? I, I wasn't sure, and Anthony, I don't know if you saw more, but I, I, I wasn't sure just watching the video what was, if one was gameplay and one was like cinematic because, you know, with those perspective shifts or how, you know, the control would switch from one to the other. But I, I love games that look different. And I think Jusant also is, is a game where its art style did a lot for it. And, and I think here too, it's like, oh, this isn't just another thing of that thing. Like there clearly is a new idea. It looks like being put in play too. Yeah. it. Yeah, again, looked really cool. Interesting art style. There was combat, but uh, it it had a had a good vibe that I uh, resonated with me. It a little bit reminded me of uh the kind of era of just recently of kind of games where you're you're in this little uh, almost like a sable, I think was the most recent one where you're in this kind of larger area and she was like skateboarding or you know just kind of flowing right yeah um, yeah yeah exactly. at first i thought she was she was skateboarding on her sword but then i was like oh her sword's on her back but yeah just i don't know just kind of taking in the sights and and then if you do want to fight some bad guys here are some bad guys um I, yeah. yeah into it very very curious to see more on on that game uh then we got uh keanu himself out to uh talk more about uh, Phantom Liberty, the uh, Cyberpunk 2077 expansion. And it, it really appeared to me like somebody would s said, uh, okay, Keanu, can we just do one more, but uh, maybe some energy with this one? 
Yes. <laughs> also, like, why not use Idris Elba? Why use not Idris Elba? <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, if you want to say something something off script to shout out Idris Elba on your own, feel free, Keanu. That's cool too. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I did, because... so I did. I did play the DLC. Yes. Um, I, a lot of people have been talking about it. There's lots to read online, but um, for me personally, as somebody that uh, played through all of Cyberpunk 2077, at least the, the main story, and was not a big fan of many things, I will say that they've done a lot to kind of overhaul the UI and the the perk system um, and the combat and the way that that's available to you. Um, but the the writing was the thing. It's like they they are still top notch. Like encounter designers as far as what you're doing with this whole the rescuing the president type of idea I, I i really was into that part but then i started the combat sections in in what i could play and it was like oh yeah it's cyberpunk these ai aren't that great and i'm just just mowing through them and that was kind of my big criticism from the main game and it still i think is present in this game but looks still looks very incredible visually impressive um but yeah, I'm I'm curious who uh, it's going to be for, I guess, besides the people that said they loved Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. And launching in September, it's like, man, yes, really, you, you sure? Also bad, bad. Trip. Are you sure? You sure you want to do that? <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, look, very game looks really pretty. Uh, speaking of pretty, a City Skylines 2 was next, which comes out in October of this year. I love a good SimCity. I love a good uh, city simulator. And uh, I thought the trailer was was really lovely and uh, just looks like a gorgeous, gorgeous game. So that looks cool. I, I'll have to defer to you guys for Metaphor Refantasio, which maybe has my favorite title I've heard in a while. Metaphor Refantasio. Because you can't just Fantasio once. You have to Refantasio, right? You know, we all know that. Yeah, having having when... So during that post-showcase presentation phil spencer kind of talked about having a diversity of games and he he was just name dropping them and just just for him to go from saying like clockwork revolution to metaphor refantasio just <laughs> just easily transition it was yeah. like okay you know you just kind of glossed over that one well you'll I, notice they cut away from him when he said that they cut to gameplay while he said that one and i wonder if it took a couple of takes and they're like we can edit this possible, no worry yeah. bud no worry uh, I mean, but, it's a game from the Persona people, yes. um, which I think is is an instant sell for a lot of people. I'm not. Uh, I have tried several Persona games; they just don't click with me. I can appreciate them. I think the um, the "You'll Never See It Coming" song from Persona Five is an absolute banger. But um, yeah, the the, the turn based element and some of the difficulty just just kind of kept me out of it, and the stress of what do I do in the daytime? Who do I talk to? So it still seemed like it had some of that style and some of that approach. So I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to do more than just kind of experience a little bit of it and see if it changes my mind. But I know that there are people that just, I mean, there were three persona esque games in this presentation. Like people consume persona as much as possible, whether it's a, you know, strategic game, a card battle or a dance game, it doesn't matter. So, uh, you know, I know that there's an audience for that and I'm glad that they're getting something new and potentially different. Yeah. It seemed Microsoft was all in on, on persona games. At, at this show. It's like every time the Atlas logo came up, I was like, Oh, here's another persona game. But you know, I've this never was- been a big fan. Uh, Christian, I know you are, are a fan of persona, right? 
I am. And this, I think it was 2020, maybe even before. This was Project ReFantasy. Um, is how it was originally revealed. So this, we're getting the actual name for it. And I think it's interesting because when that was first announced, I think that's right, ReFantasy, people were excited because it was going away from the Persona uh, setting. And I think kind of like um, Bethesda going away from fantasy for space, you know, you make a game, and the Persona games are all a little different, but you make a game within a setting, within a genre enough, people want to see that style of game in a new place. And I think having them do this metaphor, Refantasio, um, is very exciting. And I think playing in a new landscape and new enemy types and and I'd imagine a potentially very different narrative as well. Um, I, I think there's a good chance that this is going to be a lot of people's favorite game when it comes out, assuming it's to the quality of what the Persona games have been. It, this presentation, it very much felt like Atlas was. We don't need Square. Who's Square? But Square? Never heard of them. Never, never heard of Square. Check out this Atlas game. I mean, because yeah. there was no uh, Square Enix in this at all, um, and that was very much up the the end of another showcase. We'll talk about <laughs> here when we get to it, and that is also a much beloved franchise. Square makes a lot of banger games, and I think Xbox having all of these Atlas and Persona games, and now Metaphor as well on Xbox and on Game Pass is massive. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of huge uh, fans of those franchises, and they they kept the font, which I guess is the most important part. <laughs> um, the next game they showed is my pick for a game I most want to play right now that isn't Starfield. Um, you know, uh, not to spoil the end of the show, but I want to play Towerborn. This game looks like it was made for me. I am in love with everything they showed about it. It looks like it has a really cool setting and 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 lore. Uh, it it's got an awesome art style. It looks like what if somebody made a full on golden ax game today that was, you know, like had all of the trappings of a modern role-playing game. I am so in for this tower born game co-op play sort of 2d, but, but uh, you know, there was moments where they were coming down the screen, not just left to right. It it looked really cool. Lots of loot looked like there was a lot of customization on the characters and fun attack animations. And the, the world looked awesome. I am so excited for Towerborn. This is uh, my pick for uh, one of the games I most like to play right now. This is the banner saga folks, right? Yes. Uh, yes. So again, yeah. yeah, a lot of, Great pedigree. I think that was kind of an under uh, a, a undercurrent for this whole presentation as well. Is like even from studios they didn't buy, but it's like, yeah, we have the pedigree of all these great games making games for our console. Um, that favorite game you loved before, we have them making your new favorite game now. And I, I agree, the art style I thought was really creative, and I also love this idea of humanity being stuck in a location and needing to venture out to explore and reclaim and stuff like that. I think it's interesting. And they've talked after this thing about how they want to do something new or they're trying to do something interesting with the death mechanic. It's not just death restart. And I'm always fascinated by that for things like whether it's advanced wars or, um, oh gosh, what's the, it was a PSP one too. Oh man. 
it's been a long day, friends. Um, but you know, it's not permadeath. I know XCOM and stuff like that, but I, I, I think it's something interesting with pushing limits about what it means when a character dies and how they come back and, and, and what that means for gameplay. Yeah. I've, I've watched the trailer for this one, I don't know, three or four times now. And I, I, I just, this feels like my yeah. jam. It feels like catnip for me. Yeah, I, I like the the art style and the world of Banner Saga. Just the gameplay was not my not my tempo. Yeah. Um. So yeah, to have them say we're making a different game, but it has some of that same vibe. Uh, like, yep, do it. Okay, sounds sounds awesome. I'm on board. Then we had uh, in Exiles game their steampunk action RPG, uh, which debuted. Clockwork Revolution, obviously giving people a lot of Bioshock Infinite vibes, uh, first-person shootery game with that steampunk aesthetic, that utopia gone wrong thing. Can't help but but invoke that game, but it certainly seemed to carve out a little bit of its own identity. Or do you think Anthony, or do you think it was uh, too much of a easy comparison to make? I mean, it's it was a it was a little overboard because Bioshock Infinite also had that kind of time uh, alternate reality manipulation, and this was kind of like a similar idea of yeah. oh, there's you know these rips. That being said, like Towerborn was your game. It, it, mine would probably be Fable, um, but Fable less materialized in front of us. This right. had more of a like, kind of concrete. This is actually the game that I I would most like to play right now. I I love me some Bioshock. Bioshock Infinite is a game that I really really love. Uh, I know some people absolutely despise it, um, and and just that kind of uh, concept of a shooter, but you have your powers on the other hand. What I took from the trailer, so maybe maybe it's not as as much. There was just some subtle power usage, um, but just the design and the look. I was on board. They don't make enough of these games, at least for me personally, where, you know, combining a shooter with some, some power usage. And I, 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 yeah, I really, really would love to play this game now. I really dug the the moment they showed that guy walking on what looked like a treadmill that pushed little wheelies, the red carpet. Oh yeah. So yeah. he didn't have to walk on like the, you know, the, the peons ground. <laughs> it was so cool. I was like, that is a clever idea. Uh, Christian, what did you think of Clockwork Revolution? Yeah, I think uh, if I'd seen this before, and I, again, I'm apologizing to our listeners more so than to you or Anthony, Jeff. Um, the game that just came out that I did not like, that also, I think it was from Ken Levine Studio. Um, oh, Russia. no, you're, you're talking about the uh, Russian. Atomic Heart. Atomic yes, Heart. Atomic yeah, Heart. yeah like not if I Ken had... Levine Studio. Ken Levine is also making a Bioshock game. Yeah. But yeah. That he wasn't behind it Atomic? Yet. Okay. It's all the same. No. I don't know. Just um, Russians. <laughs> okay. Um, Atomic Heart, I did not like. Like, uh, I really did not like. And so this now reminds me of that. It's just like a weird thing of like, oh, I had Swiss cheese once on a chicken sandwich and I got food poisoning but Swiss cheese is the most uh, pronounced flavor. So now I don't like Swiss cheese, even though it was the chicken that did it to me. So I watched this trailer and I just thought like, ah, I don't know. I just played one of these and I didn't like it. So I'm not super stoked <laughs> to play another one, which I know is totally unfair. Um, but that's kind of how it landed for me. I also thought initially before it kind of showed a little more of the world, I was getting dishonored vibes from it. And that had me excited because I do... Um, 
you know, love that type of, of gameplay and exploring the level. But then when it showed a little more of it, it did look more traditional, I would say, in terms of its uh, encounters. Well, I'm a fan of In Exile. I mean, here's the games that they have made. Wasteland series, Bard's Tale series, Torment, Tides of Numenera, Mage's Tale. I've loved all of those. So I'm a huge fan of In Exile. uh, And uh, so I will will give them the benefit. This is very much not the type of game they have made in the past, you know, but I... I will play in an exi- in exile game any day of the week. I will give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm I'm excited for it and excited to see uh, more about Clockwork Revolution. Uh, all right, before we get to Starfield, we got to take a second and thank our sponsor, which is Athletic Greens and their product AG One, which both I and my wife have been taking every single day for the last I don't know three or four weeks now. And I got to tell you, <laughs> it's awesome that we've made this part of our morning routine. She makes me one. She makes herself one. We both pound down our AG1s and we feel great through the rest of the day. The reason we started taking it, honestly, I guess it's different reasons for the two of us. She's taking it for better gut health because uh, she has noticed that if she takes AG1 in the morning, she has a lot less tummy trubs. You know, sometimes you get the tummy trubs. My wife has a lot of tummy trubs during the day. She has noticed she has uh, has a lot calmer tums if she takes her AG1 in the morning. For me, I mentioned before on the podcast that I am training uh, for a very long run. I'm doing hood to coast again in August. So I'm training for that. I'm running. I want to have something that's going to give me a little more energy. We both enjoy the immune system support. Christian, I know you've been taking AG1 as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really the consistency and the ease for me. You know, it's a scoop in water and done. It's the same reason I love running. Running is sneakers, shorts, done, you know, (laughs) and you're out the door. Sometimes a shirt. Sometimes. Uh, I mean, maybe if you're trying to cover something up, Jeff, you know what I mean? Mm, I mm. go out with a shirt on. People are like, boo, you've ruined my morning. We want to see you. That's not true. I wear a shirt. Um, but it's you don't need a lot of things, right? When you start needing a lot of things, uh, I become less inclined to do it. <laughs> yeah. And AG1 does not require a lot of things. It is a scoop, water, something to hold said water, and then my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You've really broken it down. And I actually have noticed that the the – when I put it in a smaller amount of water, I enjoy it much more because it's not diluted in the water. I actually enjoy the taste of AG1. And it, it was designed with ease of use in mind. So you can, you know, it'll be delivered right to your door. You don't have to think about it. If you are looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Oh, I love those travel packs. We were just gone this weekend. Uh, My wife, Erin, she threw in a bunch of travel packs into a little Ziploc bag, easy peasy lemon squeezy, except we didn't even have to squeeze any lemon. We just bit our AG1s. Anyway, you get five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash DLC. That's athleticgreens.com slash DLC for the free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Check it out. All right. 
the uh, you know as as uh, Phil said himself, um, our one more thing, not really a one more thing. You can't do a one more thing that's as long as the uh, all the other things. <laughs> it's it's more than just one more thing. Um, is the Starfield Starfield deep dive? Uh, they showed a lot of it. I, I got to the point where I was thinking to myself, do I shut this off? Am I, sh- I, I don't know if I want to know all of this. It felt like they were showing me so much of the surprising stuff. I mean, obviously this is going to be a multi hundred hour game. If not, you know, if, if, if not a hundred hours, it's going to be dozens of hours of content and thousands of planets. But I just felt like, man, they're really showing me all the big story planets they're showing me all the cool stuff, all the neatest things. I hope that's not the case, but I almost got to the point where I'm like, this might be too deep a dive. Am I the only one that felt that? What do you guys think? Well, Christian and I texted and we actually felt that they didn't reveal enough about the story. Um, well, that's good. We don't need to know the whole story. You, you're in space. Well, There's people. I, they found an artifact. Go. Okay. Let, let me just preface this because last time we talked about Starfield was basically a year ago and I was really negative on it. And I got a lot of criticism. So, so was Je- I was the only one. I felt like I had taken true. the red pill. That's I, true. I was like well, so hyped for it. And you guys were like, I don't know. Maybe I did it to Jeff. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so I want to like, I know I'm going to start. It's not, I don't mean this as like a nitpick. I just am curious. I would like to know as somebody that um, sees all the other games releasing uh, within the the same like two months as Starfield, I would like to have a better sense of uh, what do I have a critical path? Do I you know wh- where it's going on there? Um, well, you didn't. You know, so I was kind of surprised by. Obviously, that. you find an artifact at the beginning. It does some goofy stuff, and everybody's like, "Aliens? Is there aliens? And that's that's the critical path. Go find out. The, I want, sure. Oh, fair enough. But yeah, and, and then also the way they ended the trailer was like, wait. Yeah, that's the thing that actually might get me really on board. Magic mm-hmm. powers? You get a shooter with magic powers on the other hand? I just said that's <laughs> the recipe for success for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what a what a just extensive. They were showing you how the character creator works, dude. It was first of all very well made uh, series of interviews and like the way it compartmentalized features and stepped through all the sort of big elements you know there's like the combat section there was the the air you know space flight section there was the this base building section there was the how do you make your character and what are the coolest builds and like they did so much stuff they went through i felt like i was watching you know some websites uh <laughs> things you need to know before you start playing <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it, like it, go on christian go ahead anthony Okay. I say, it's, it well, was incredible. It looks in- incredible. I'm glad that you all are on my side now thinking it is incredible. My, I have one question and one nit from what they showed. And my question is, and this is what I kind of, I think I texted Anthony is all the stuff they showed did look amazing. And Jeff, I guess perhaps you don't need to know this stuff, but uh, <laughs> as famous fallout four boy over here, I, I do like knowing this stuff is they were showing all the stuff you can do, but they weren't giving me any reason as to why I do it other than, you can do it. And oftentimes that is not enough of a motivator for me as someone who is still in their comfy on their home planet, probably dead now and buried in no man's sky. Where like I need a I, I want a reason to go do these things. And I, they hinted at it a little bit with like the 
side story where it's like you meet someone and then you go on this thing. And then two hours later, you realize you're in the middle of this epic new adventure. I love that. But all the other stuff they showed, it's like, do I, is there a reason to create a mech ship? Is there a reason? reason, The reason with all of their games is to live in this world. Like we present you a world with ultimate freedom. The reason is always be there and do what you want in it. And I think, Yes, there are, you know, critical path story things. There's, hey, they stole my son and go find him. But ultimately what they're offering is this rich tapestry of things to find and do. And everything they kept saying throughout that whole presentation is, hey, live in the world. Live, live here. Be here. This is your new home now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want those things to have a, a point and and the point. That's what I was saying. I know. I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. That's what okay. we were texting about. The, the point needs to be something other than a watching number go up because I did thing, and I, I'm not sure. That said, I'm still very excited for this game. My only nit with what they presented is that it, it didn't look like it was hitting a locked uh, frame rate. Like it, it, I know they talked about the new animations, the new engine, all this stuff, but it still looked a little jittery to me. And I'm very curious how the game is actually going to run on, you know, say a Series S or so when it comes out. They did, yeah, they did reveal like targets for performance, uh, like 4K 30, um, supposedly locked, and then 1440 30, supposedly locked on the Series X and Series S, respectively. Which, you know, after the Redfall thing, it has has people a little concerned, but you know. The three of us were going to play it on BFGP, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I just hope somebody at Nvidia is on the line with them. That's like, hey, I said. Let's get those DLSS threes in there, baby. I, that's what I said to Christian. I said it better support DLSS three. Um, one of the things that I felt was interesting is, as opposed to um, you know, a studio like, or as opposed to Nintendo with Tears of the Kingdom, or From Software with Elden Ring, or Rockstar with Red Dead Redemption two. When you play those games, you're like, there's just like some wizardry going on and I just don't understand it. It felt like Starfield. They're like, we want you to understand the amount of effort we put into so many aspects. And I could appreciate that, you know, them them saying chart this procedurally generator, whatever the the way the light moves and, and how so many different things influence the way the game looks and the way the planets interact, the the flora and the fauna i yeah i really appreciate the ability to understand the wizardry that's on display instead of just playing it and going this seems crazy like i you know you're being able to really understand the effort and the man hours and the yeah the creativity that is required to deliver something that when you're playing it you might not necessarily appreciate you're just kind of taking it for granted but for people to say like, this was actually very difficult for us is, is it's refreshing in some ways. It made me go, I want to work there. I know it's a completely uh, unrealistic look at what it's like to work at Bethesda, but it's like, Oh, everybody's got cool jackets and uh, they just, they all love what they do. And they're all just sitting in rooms with whiteboards talking about the greatest game ever. And they it just seemed awesome. And we love our people. It just felt, I love, I just love the whole tone of it. I mean, they knocked it out of the park as far as a presentation, in my opinion. And this game just looks bonkers. I mean, so much to do. And this is one, I mean, total sidebar 
forgive me audience for my pet sidebar that I'm about to say, but this is why I have no doubt in my mind that in a few short years, video games are going to be in VR, all of them, because what they're talking about is live in this world, be in this world, have a whole life in this world, make you have your story in the world. Nothing does that more than VR. Anyway, sorry, sidebar. Um, Wait, well, we're on a sidebar. Well, well, the, the real world makes you do that, but... I'm just saying. Uh, while we're on a sidebar, Ken Levine's game Judas. Yes, yeah, uh, not yes. Atomic Heart. Okay, back to back to main. Back Which to the we also basically about, also yeah, basically Bioshock. We we saw like a CG trailer. Game, yeah, yeah, Game basically Awards Bioshock. trailer. Right. Um. um anyway, this was so good. It's so good. So much to do. Are Christian, as the person who didn't voice the the worries that that Anthony and I did last time, do you have any other than your tell me why I'm here stuff like mechanically, like what the, the, the moment to moment, the doing the, the stuff, what did the, how did the shooting look to you? How did the, the, uh, the, you know, story elements look to you? How did the ship building stuff? Do you feel, was there any, uh Oh, I'm not sure if that looks fun feelings that you had. No, I mean, I, I think I want to get my hands on the sticks. You know, the shooting looked great in the trailer, and I hope it I hope it plays great. Um, there are certainly games where the shooting can look great in a trailer, and then you play it, and it just feels off, or it doesn't feel good on a controller, or this, that, and the other. Um, and, yeah, the fact that they did this, you know, whole trailer, and then this whole presentation, and then just hint at powers like ah man i, I need so I, I need to know i need to know what these powers are and i'm sure it has something to do with the artifact and this that and the other and i'm sure i would guess this is just a guess everybody it can't be a spoiler because i don't know but that society's gonna betray you like stuff's gonna go wrong oh you're gonna people from totally gonna be a first contact gonna... right we're gonna find yeah. aliens oh, right that's the man, whole thing it looks uh, so it looks so good so no from what they've shown without any additional information about having you know hands on the controller playing it i i seriously have no concerns other than asterix bethesda games often launch not perfect and i expect that to be the case here but everything they showed looked really 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 good one of the things that i pulled out of the presentation that i found to be most intriguing and kind of reassuring for one of my biggest fears was how they described marrying the procedural with the handcrafted because one of my biggest things, and I think if you go back a year ago when we talked about it, I think I brought this up then, mo the, the problem with games like this, you know, if you have an Elder Scrolls or any kind of fantasy game where you're exploring a giant continent or multiple continents, a whole world, whatever it is, it's easy to say you can go anywhere you want and we can fill it with content, right? There's, there's cities and there's long stretches of no cities, but there can be caves along the way, et cetera, et cetera. Much harder in an intergalactic universe spanning space game. See that moon go there. Yeah. Right. Because the reality of the universe is most planets don't have anything on them. And <laughs> right. And if you're making a game that's even remotely realistic and also planets are big things, you know, see Jupiter, you can go there and die. Yeah. No, no life. In Jupiter. You don't want to go there, but you can, <laughs> um, but also procedurally generated things. You know, if you play it long enough, you're going to start to see, you know, it's like, oh, now I see the, that this planet again. I've, I'm well, on this planet. The joy for me of a Bethesda game 
is nine times out of 10 or more, 9.9 times out of 10, there's a there there. You know, if I am intrigued and follow my instincts to go around the corner, there's something waiting for me. There's, they thought about the fact that I'd be intrigued by that and I'd walk around the corner and they put a little cave or they put a little thing or they put a, you know, some environmental storytelling bit. That's the joy of the Bethesda games for me traditionally is they're so rich and they're so full of lived in feeling world. It's, it, it, yes, there's quests. Yes, there's things to go do A to B, A to B, B to C, but when I'm just wandering around, if I follow my curiosity, it is rewarded. Most of the time it is rewarded, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in very small ways, things that are off the beaten path, things that are just, they just put in the world. And I was very worried about how I thought it was going to feel like Mass Effect and every other game that's attempted this, where it's like, yeah, there's, you know, the six planets that are important to the story. And then we put in a bunch of filler planets that don't mean anything. And why would you even go there? You can go there for resources. And there, it feels like there's some of that hinted at, but when they talked about how they have these handcrafted things that get paired up to the procedurally generated planet. So there's, you know, there's the, however many things they built that can get put on a, uh, who knows which planet in your game you know, your friend will have that thing on one planet. You'll have it on a different planet. I thought that was a really cool way of handling it so that even on planets that are procedurally generated that don't have anything to do with the main story, there are potential for a variety of cool things to discover that are handcrafted. Yeah. It, I was very worried about that. I, I genuinely yeah, they were, was, you know? I feel like that part was talking to folks like you, Jeff, of yeah. like, don't worry, we know what you love about it. Yeah, game, yeah. And we got you. Well, that's that's what I want. I want to, you know, like scan a planet and go, that sounds really interesting. I Nobody sent me here, but I'm going to go look at it. And I didn't want to just land on it and be like, well, you can scan the 15 animals that are here. You know, that's fine. But I felt like even with No Man's Sky at a certain point, it's like, well, I'm just sort of interacting with the algorithm. I'm not really yeah. discovering a... a, a living breathing thing here and that's what i was worried was going to happen here and, and it sounds like i hope that it won't feel that way it sounds like they found a, a strategy to make that not the case mm -hmm. yeah i think the other thing is that you and i voiced a worry about the shooting doesn't really look interesting last year right and it seemed like they were like we heard you jet back all the time <laughs> I know. moving quickly you know because one of the things i said was what else do you do besides just aim down sights and kind of move slowly. And right at the end, it was, uh, or I had said like, are there powers? Do they have powers? Can there be powers? And they're like, mm, maybe there's powers. I was like, ah, I see. I see. Yeah, you heard yeah. what I had to say, but you're right. Also, even, even the gunplay itself, just mm -hmm. the vanilla gunplay looked way more interesting than the previous times they had shown it. Zero G you shoot backwards. This gun has multiple laser sights yeah. forward plasma because of this. And I could see like, how you spec your character depending on what fight you go into matters to how you're going to go through environments and all that stuff. And the one where I think it was the woman was talking and she was like, I like to be a pirate and just go in and, and murder, board the ships and murder, murder everybody. And you board the ship and like the crew in there are still kind of a little disoriented and they were floating and floated in and took them down. Oh my goodness. That yeah. looked. Or the, or the guy incredible. that was like, I just like to punch stuff. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It looked cool. I mean, I'm definitely 
the dude who's like, oh, uh, you got to get the jetpacks right away. I'm like, you're speaking my language, pal. Um, I also like that, you know, they, again, I was feeling they were showing too much at a certain point. I was like, I want to discover this stuff because I feel like it would be cooler to discover it in the course of playing. But it was neat to see, hey, there's like a Wild West planet, you know, that you're going to be going to where everything's, everybody's a cowboy, I guess, space cowboys. And uh, there's the super neon, you know, um, uh, Blade Runner planet. And there's like, it really felt like there's a lot of different biomes and, and not just for the procedurally generated stuff, but for the, the story stuff, you're really going to a wide variety of cool planets. <sighs> I'm so excited for this game. I can't, I can't. Uh, I want to be Todd Howard. He just seems like the coolest guy in the world, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. They I, at that at that post thing, they Sarah Bond was talking about, um, uh, you know, saying when she joined Team Xbox, and she's saying, you know, I I looked younger, and then everyone was like, Todd looks the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, has nothing to do with the game. But I'm very curious about that watch. Uh, it looks so cool, but I feel like collector's edition pack-in smartwatch. I know. It, it, there's no way that it's not cheap, right? There's no right? way that's not no. a piece of I junk. mean, the the one that came with the Pip-Boy was one of the most expensive ones, not counting like a Final Fantasy. It comes with the statue of, you know, this giant summon. Takes up nine shelf space, but like it was, it certainly the the pit boy was up there in price. So I can easily oh, see pricey. this being, yeah, I could see I it being 400 bucks. Still won't be cheap though. If that Minimum. Makes sense. I have bucks. never wanted a themed controller more than this one. It is a good looking. Really? Controller. Okay. That controller looks all, aw- you not agree, Anthony, that controller looks so sick. I mean, uh, I, I guess it, it just like to me, their skins. I like the control. I like more of the like functionality, I guess. It's still functional. Yeah, yeah, but like <laughs> the like the Xbox Elite controller, the DualSense Edge, you know, like I don't the look of the control because you don't who looks at their hands. I mean, it's not about looking at your hands; it's about looking at it when it's on the shelf and you're not playing it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, look how cool that looks. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I can Yeah, I, I I get less on board with with things like that. Me but too. Usually, is, I'm just saying this is the first cool. time where I've been like, sure. whoa, that one looks really nice. All right. I, okay, okay fair humbug. enough. Sorry, uh, I'm sorry. Any, anything else about Starfield that we want to talk about? I feel like there's so much they showed, all the ship customizations and crew and uh I mean it's there're going to be a lot of kids uh failing out of their first semester of college, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, genuinely Jennifer, shocked that you the- haven't attended for months. Sorry. Starfield. <laughs> Sorry, Starfield. Uh, I was genuinely surprised at the release date. Uh, I I never, I did not think that game was coming out before November. Um, and I think a lot of other people thought that too. Well, it is. The, it's, uh, it's, it's coming out in new November. Um, new November, yeah. So, but like <laughs> early but Remember, September. it was supposed to come out earlier this year. Yes, it was supposed to come out at the end of last year. Well, yes, end of last year. But then it was also supposed to come out earlier this year, so... In some ways, it has been delayed twi- twice. So, sure. but I thought yeah, they yeah. would. It would be like your, you know, your holiday season. Really? September sixth is not holiday season. I guess all your Jeff Grubbs and and Jason Schreiers had been telling me it was releasing in September. When it mm. said that, I was like, oh, okay, they were right. Like, cool. 
and my, first and week Microsoft, of September? Microsoft has their big uh, Call of Duty game coming out in November, though. <laughs> <laughs> they hope it will be theirs. <laughs> which surprisingly was not at the showcase, which, you know, that thing's coming in hot. Yeah, it is coming in hot, isn't it? Yeah. It'll have its own event. They're, they're, you know, they want to have their own event for that thing, I'm sure. There wasn't a lot of activation at that. I mean, there was a, a you know, Blizzard. hey, Overwatch yeah. is the thing. Um, but there wasn't a lot of Blizzard um, or Activision at no. this event in terms of maybe that's intentional, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're we'll wait and see. Um, well, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the summer of games yet. We just, this was just mm-hmm. the Microsoft conference, but I thought overall uh, just a uh, pretty darn good showing from Microsoft. Um, I, I love how we're in this place of very few, you know, just purely uh, CG rendered trailers. I like how the, the industry seems to be coming around on that and like, oh, people don't really care about that stuff. They want it at least in engine. I'm digging that. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention about Microsoft overall before we move on? None for me. I'm good, Anthony. No, I, it was a great showing. I, you know, coming off of PlayStation, I think they were Xbox was poised to just strike really hard at the video game world and they i'm sure they were well aware of the opportunity that presented them and maybe it changed their whole plan who knows but they they came out swinging and and i think they knocked it out of the park with this one christian other than starfield what is your wish i could take it home right now game from what microsoft showed star wars outlaws Mm, yeah fair I, I, it's a little cheap because I feel like I know what that game is going to be, but it looked awesome. It looked so good, and I loved the line. And we'll talk about this. We've already talked about this more, perhaps, when you're listening to this. Yeah. I loved the line in the trailer of, you know, the Empire's everywhere, apparently. But for me, it's, you know, this. And I, I love that. Like, yeah, the, the, the Star Wars world is huge. Yeah. I bet someone is born and dies and never sees a Stormtrooper, <laughs> you know, yeah. potentially. And I hope that this game really embraces that i thought that was an incredible cinematic trailer if you if you like that about star wars christian you should watch Andor. and or what Touché. that is what else should, literally I should watch literally I should watch watch and watch star wars <laughs> outlaws and or rebels what, and what or, else should i watch and or all right oh god moving go. on to the summer of games uh but first we gotta thank a sponsor all right, we got to tell you about our sponsor, Double Fine. If you're listening to this, you know Double Fine. Double Fine are responsible for some of the most delightful, entertaining, and original video games that we've talked about on the show, like, oh, I don't know, Psychonauts and Psychonauts 2. Well, let me tell you, if you are not aware, there is a phenomenal docu-series on YouTube right now that's all about the making of Psychonauts 2. It's called Psych Odyssey, Double Finds Psych Odyssey. And this is, I gotta tell you, one of the most entertaining and revealing looks at the process of making a AAA video game that I've ever seen. It's in-depth. It has all the major people that were involved in making not just Psychonauts 2, but the first Psychonauts and in founding Double Fine. It really shows the process warts and all. And it has been so fascinating to watch these episodes on YouTube. Christian, I know you've been watching them as well. Incredible stuff, right? 
Yeah, I think especially this week for folks that are watching summer game stuff and getting hyped about all the next big AAA games that are coming out and then waiting for them to come out to then be able to go see what it takes to make that game is a phenomenal piece to have hand in hand with the getting hyped for a game and then knowing the types of effort that it takes to birth <laughs> yeah. these games to life. I was watching an episode and my wife walked by and she was like, oh, that's cool. What is that? And I was like, oh, invitation to co-watch game on. And now we're both in it. And so I think like for me, you know, I love this type of stuff. I love in-depth looks at video games and how they're created and all that stuff. But also speaking for my wife, um, who doesn't share that interest, but likes compelling documentaries and documentary series. She was hooked. Like I went back to episode one with her and she goes, do we have this game? And I was like, babe, oh yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you don't have to take our word for it. Listen to actual makers of the games, the greatest games of all time, like Corey Barlog of God of War, who said, absolutely love this unflinching doc that even exists, gonna binge it. Or how about Grant Orban, the principal designer on the Fable reboot, we're just talking about in this episode, who wrote, I mean this completely seriously. If you are teaching a game development course, this needs to be in some way part of the syllabus. Come on. So check it out. I'm telling you, this is uh, this is the easiest recommend in the history of our show, because I know if you're listening to this, you're going to love it. You can watch the entire series for free with no ads right now in 4K with real captions made by a human being, go to doublefine.com slash DLC to start your psychodicy. Doublefine.com slash DLC. All right, before the Xbox conference even happened, Summer of Games conference happened. Our friend Jeff Keeley. Summer Game show. Fest. Summer Game Fest. You're right. Summer Game Fest. Ah, Keeley's never coming back on the show. Because I just messed that up. Yeah, I, I as a as a uh, as a chosen as a judge, I have to do my due diligence, or else Thank I you. too will be, you will be struck down. Yes, you will be. It's Keely. true. Summer Summer of Games is a trademark that I own personally. <laughs> uh, so keep saying that. Summer yeah. Games Fest. Uh, we're not going to be able to step through all the games like we did with Microsoft. It's just too many. There's it is too many. Uh, but we'll I'll pick out some uh, uh, ones we need to talk about. You guys can pluck out ones that I might overlook that you want to talk about. Feel free to do so. Uh, let's start, though, where they started with a new Prince of Persia game, a new 2D Prince of Persia game, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. I'm excited about this. This looks very much like in your wheelhouse, Christian. This looks like a very, uh, you know, precision 2D platforming action combat game like the games you like. It very much is right at my wheelhouse, and I think it was a heck of a way to, to start it with a a secret. You know, not a lot of stuff got super spoiled before these conferences, and I thought this was really cool because there were rumors of, oh, Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake has kind of been delayed again, internally delayed again. They're having problems and this, that, and the other, and they're like, here's a new one, and it's coming out soon. I think it looked awesome. I, I liked the more cinematic flourishes of the combat. I thought the traversal looked great. I know some people were like, you know, 2D blah. That's not what I was looking for. It's 100% you know, what I'm looking yeah. for. Not that it's the only type of game, but if it if it controls as well as it, as it looked like it did, 
I think this could be a, a breakout hit for a lot of folks. I think if they show this exact same trailer and it wasn't called Prince of Persia, I'd still be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it looks like a kind of game that I'd be really into and, and want to play. And the fact that it, it's called Prince of Persia is just a fun cherry on top. Uh, Anthony, you into the lost crown? Yeah, I, I definitely am. Um, hopefully by this time tomorrow, I'll have, have seen it or played it maybe. I don't know. Um, I have some appointments with Ubisoft, so I'm, I'm very much excited. Uh, just like you said, even if it wasn't Prince of Persia, this is another kind of genre of the side scrolling dodgy combat platformy. I don't even know. It's cause it might not necessarily be a Metroidvania, but that type of game, um, it is definitely one that I really seek out, especially in the indie space. So it's just to see like a triple A version of it. Yeah. Yes. I I'm, I'm on board. I think that the team behind it is, is also the, the Rayman. I might be wrong about, it. I think it's the Rayman legend, which is a phenomenal yeah. version of so, that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you sold me. Um, I do hope that there's still like somebody is working on a true Prince of Persia game. Um, kind of like you know, we had Diablo Immortal, and then they were like, "Yeah, we're also working on Diablo 4. I hope that there's somewhere there is Prince of Persia really being made, like a not the remake, not this. Yeah, I, I'm fine with this in the time being. I am too, and hopefully, if this sells well, that'll it'll revitalize that franchise. Um, I talked about how much I got Prince of Persia vibes from playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor, so. You know, I'm itching for a real Prince of Persia experience as well. So, but I think this game looks looks very good. And you're right. I love I love you know seeing a AAA take on what is typically an indie type of game. You know, we saw that with um, uh, never mind. <laughs> My brain, it's late and it's been a long. Welcome day. to the club. I've been there uh, all show. So I know. Yeah. Look at, finally look caught at up. diamonds in the rough <laughs> that I've chosen from past years. Best of the year. Yes, there's at least two of them. <laughs> yes. every year. Um, you got to play Mortal Kombat one. Um, this was the big coming out party for Mortal Kombat one extended uh, Ed Boon on stage, extended, uh, uh, gameplay. Uh, but you got, you got to play it, Anthony. So tell me, tell us about playing Mortal Kombat one. Okay. So, um, what was available to us was a set of four characters. It was Sub-Zero, Liu Kang, Katana, and Kenshi. And then three of the cameo characters, uh, Kano, Jax, and Sonya Blade. Um, so does that mean if they're cameo characters, that means they're not going to be in the main roster, right? No. So they did say that some of the cameo characters will actually be in the, the main roster and wow. some of them will not. I would okay. imagine the vast majority of them will not be on the main roster. I think to me, it kind of seems like their way of saying hey, we always get so much flack and hate for not including your favorite character. Now we've dub- we're able to sort of double the inclusion mm-hmm. um, and, and just say, well, they're a cameo character. I do think like somebody, um, spe- specifically Sonya Blade, I don't think you can not include Sonya Blade on the, the main roster. Yeah, well, Kano as well, I think. But yeah, I would well, be surprised. I, I don't, I'm not sure about that one, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean... I really enjoy the Mortal Kombat games specifically for the story stuff. I'm not very good at fighting games. Um, uh, I try my best. I read the move list, but I really like what they have done with Mortal Kombat 9 forward as far as making you play as different characters and all that stuff. So 
we didn't really get any sort of taste of that in what we played. So it was just a fighting game. So, you know, take take my uh, impressions of it as you will. But it felt really good. It was really smooth. Um, it ran extremely well. You know, usually when you play a game uh, at a preview event, it'll have some hitches or some frame rate stuff. And you'll kind of say, well, yeah, it's not it's obviously not not done. It's not a finished build or anything like that. It was everything that I would expect a Mortal Kombat game to play like. And it looks really, really impressive. It's got a lot of visual detail. All the stages we saw, there were two of them were in the trailer. The one that really stands out is that kind of Johnny Cage's penthouse sort of looks like Tony Stark's Malibu penthouse or Malibu uh, mansion, I should say. Um but I think what really is the big game changer for Mortal Kombat 1 is the introduction of the cameo characters. All you got to do is press R1 and they will come out and do something based kind of contextually on what you're doing, whether you're in the air or if you're sort of mid-combo. But it really seems like this is going to force people that even know Mortal Kombat, live, breathe, and sleep Mortal Kombat to relearn kind of how they think about their combos because these cameo characters can come out and keep juggling an opponent or they can start up a combo. They can break the uh, opponent out of their own combo. You can burn some meter and have them do stronger versions of their attacks. I'm sure there will eventually will shake out and see scenarios where these handful of cameo characters are the only ones people are using, but just from having played this game for the first time, it really seemed like, a big deal. Um, and it didn't seem super gimmicky. It didn't kind of feel like this, uh, like the final blows, for example, um, where you're just like, Oh, you hit two buttons and then you get this crazy outlandish thing. It felt like it's going to be a fundamental part of the platform from which they build everything with how they balance, how they, how they structure combos, how they structure the interactions of the animations, whether or not you get knocked backwards or knocked up um, just based on how the cameo characters can help you continue those combos and, and factor into the, into the fighting game experience. It, it For all intents and purposes, it looks like another really, really great game from nether nether realm studios. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've not, had a a Mortal Kombat that's been subpar sub zero <laughs> in uh, in quite a long time. So uh, hopefully this one. I, I'm intrigued by the Mortal Kombat one of it all, but I feel like that's not as big a deal as I originally thought. It feels like that's eh, just we're kind of taking the story back a little bit, and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like a major. You know, it's not like we're remaking the first Mortal Kombat, which is kind of what I thought it was going to be. Well, that's sort of what Mortal Kombat nine did is yeah. retell. So yeah, I I don't know if either of you finished the story mode of Mortal Kombat 11, but Yeah, I did. They, yes, sir. they get they get you caught up and they kind of explain, you know, here's yeah. what happens, but what, one of the things that they said was we it gives them the opportunity to just look at all these characters from a fresh perspective instead of Scorpion and Sub-Zero being you know, rivals, they're brothers. Right. I think they said they were brothers. I didn't know if they meant brothers or bros. Because <laughs> I heard other people say they're bros. And I was like, did I misheard that they're brothers? But, you know, you everything you think you know about each character will be different. It'll kind of be that uh, 
that moment of, okay, well now I'm meeting Johnny cage and he's, you know, this really polite guy, you know? Yeah. So it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how that factors into the story. And for as bonkers as mortal Kombat 11 was narratively, now they can, they can do even more absurd things. It looks really cool. It looks really cool. And they, they know how to make these games, man. I'm, I'm, it's interesting. The success of street fighter six right now, it feels like, Street Fighter Six is kind of um, surging in, in a way that uh, I wonder if Mortal Kombat One will benefit from or react to, or you know, I, I wonder what that, how that's all going to play out. Remains to be seen. Um, you also got a chance to play uh, Sonic Superstars, right? I did get to play Sonic Which Superstars. I thought it was a kind of a surprise. I don't know, Christian. You may have your finger more on the pulse of this and knew this was happening, but I, I thought the way that trailer showed you know this this sort of line in the middle of the screen with the pixelated art and then sonic moves over and you see that him transform into the updated art i just thought that was so powerful and you know it kind of got me excited in for sonic in a way i haven't in a while were you asking me if that excited sorry yeah well, you enjoyed, I, I didn't know if you knew about this game beforehand i don't know if we had anybody had was it a surprise or was it just me that was surprised no it was a surprise to me also i, I i'm intrigued by it i i think um sonic mania was so good that i the the art style isn't what's going to make me love this game you know i i like the other art style. I like Sonic Mania a lot. So if they're doing 2D Sonic again, it needs to capture a lot of the timing and the level design and the stuff that I think makes 2D Sonic very special. So I wasn't as impressed by like, ooh, now it's in, you know, 3D, so to speak, because we've had those games before and they haven't always been great. But reading about some of the folks behind the game and kind of what they're looking to do with it, that does have me more excited. So I hope they nail those things that um, that make the character special and especially the level design to make them feel chaotic, but also um, intricate in a way that that can make blasting through them feel very special. All right. So Anthony, you did play it. What, I did. What, what was your verdict, at least with the time you had with it? Yeah, I think what, what Christian is hoping for, they delivered the, the kind nice. of intricate, but also like, I, am I going the right way? You know, am I going the wrong way? Did I just miss half the level by going, you know, through this loop or these set of launchers? Um, we, we were able to play through two, two acts of two different levels. One was the more interesting one was like a jungle, which had you sort of sliding on these vines and using these hanging vines to launch yourself up, but it has that speed and momentum of Sonic. It, I mean, pretty much it's they said hey you liked sonic mania that kind of was more of hey here's the classic game well here's a more modern version of sonic um it still plays like sonic to me there was nothing really about it that um was too that felt different i guess where i was like oh you know this is sort of taking me taking me out of the experience it definitely felt like sonic um there are these emerald abilities that uh, the one that I saw or the one that I unlocked let you sort of move up waterfalls. Um, I'm, I don't know how much they will factor into just that speed and momentum of Sonic. Um, My understanding is that you should not go chasing them. Okay. <laughs> oh, you got it. DLC. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, you know, you're zooming by and then you're like, oh, there's a waterfall. Stop let me just go up this waterfall okay it just took me a little higher um 
that's a creed reference um but you know <laughs> the but it it just yeah it, it's a clever spin on on that exploration for those people who want to keep replaying the levels and seeing different things go look for secrets and whatnot um what really stood out as as being different is the boss battles at the end so there were two i think two or three um one was sort of you're running from uh, this like weird robotic snake like creature and then the other two were sort of uh typical egg uh robotnik uh eggman egghead eggman eggman <laughs> my brain is fried um but you know fighting him but not just going like oh let me just jump on his head three times and then that's it you had to kind of uh bait out attacks or one of the bosses had this um attack that was like a a hook that went across the whole screen and it would show you okay it's targeting you okay here it comes so you would um get it to maybe go like a little bit higher than a jump it would come across you'd land on the the like kind of a tether of the hook you'd keep doing that so that the boss hits itself with its own hook and that's how you damage it um so there were different different ways to approach the boss battles that i thought were pretty clever and and made it more engaging than it might be in kind of some of the earlier sonic games the only concern i have and obviously this is an early experience with it but that robotic snake thing it's chasing you and you have to kind of make some precise jumps jumps and the frame rate was not cooperating. Um, so I failed a bunch and I watched some other people fail a bunch as well. Um, but that's, you know, that's totally fixable in time for the game. Yeah. Uh, but that was, that was kind of concerning to me, but outside of that, like it really was, Hey, this is Sonic mania, but a modern version of it, like a modern sequel to Sonic mania. Wow. I, I I thought it looked so pretty and, and fun. And like, I, I, I'm so baffled, but I guess it's because of the movies, but you know, among the six and seven year old set that, that are contemporaries of my son, Sonic is top tier. Like kids have Sonic backpacks, you know, Sonic lunch boxes. They're talking about Sonic. It is, you know, I, based on not playing video games, based on just sort of liking him as a character, uh, cartoons and stuff so mm-hmm. you know yeah it, it's hard so, not to overstate the attitude which is how he launched yeah. and that is still very much a thing you know like mario is great i love mario but like mario on a shirt and i see kids in mario stuff certainly mario's huge okay, oh yeah wrong. but like sonic still has a toot about him that definitely still resonates with kids it's he's a cool character and so i think while i don't need an updated graphic style to make me love a 2d sonic game i could see how others that didn't grow up with the character might think that this game is more exciting than seeing a pixel art uh game getting released yeah yeah also uh tails knuckles and amy were playable and oh, had cool. their own you know and there's uh, co-op tails. right there you can play at the same time uh I, yes um but i i didn't experience that yeah yeah uh yeah sonic superstars looks cool i thought that was one of the standouts from the the summer games fest showcase personally i thought that was a cool surprise pretty exciting um you also got a chance to check out uh more on alan wake 2 right which had a big big presence at summer games fest i did yes so um they uh walked us through a demo that kind of covered basically 
I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes that in the kind of middle of it all was the section that they showed at Summer Game Fest live. Um, so the section where Saga goes into the little uh, general store, convenience store, and the, the guy with the antlers comes out yeah, and she, yeah. she defeats him. So you see kind of before that, her arrival, there's a cutscene um, with her and the guy that has the face of Sam Lake, but is not voiced by Sam Lake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they did a, a bunch of explaining about Alan Wake and, and how he will f- sort of factor into the story, but said, we'll, we'll, we'll show you more at another time. So this was all about saga. Um, saga is, they said, you know, a second protagonist. She's not, you know, a side character. She's not going to, you know, take a backseat to Alan Wake. You will be able to play at her as her basically 50% of the game, more or less. Um, but what was really intri- intriguing about it, uh, besides it, the, the game looks gorgeous. Um, I think the combat looks like a, a cool evolution of what they did in the first Alan Wake with the flashlight concept and using light to weaken the enemies and then kind of having precise um, gunplay. There was a lot made of her being an FBI agent. So one of the cool things that you can do is um, pretty much any time you can enter what's called the mind place, mm. which is uh, Saga basically, I don't know, meditates or whatever, but she ends up in a kind of room in what looks like a cabin. And she has a case board that has, um, you know, your your stereotypical uh, photos and, and post-it notes and lines of a string that connect the details. So it's how she puts together clues and things that she finds. And it helps you unlock new, I assume waypoints and objectives. There was a very minimalist HUD. So it was hard to tell like really what was happening when she did it, but it was, it was her way to kind of process the information and and figure out, okay, uh, it seems like I need to go, I need this thing. And, you know, this clue told me to go here. So this is where I'm supposed to go. Um, and then when she was stuck, she also has a section in the mind place where she can profile, um, people. So in this case, she, she's tracking this murderer who's been, uh, as I said, in the summer game fest thing, he's come back to life and he's just sort of run off. So she's like asking questions about this murderer. Like, where did he go? Why does he want this thing? And then the, the narration is is from that character, the murderer character, um, and it's superimposed with weird, freaky visuals, and and that's also a different way that you can unlock objectives. So there was this really interesting, um, kind of detective element to the gameplay that was was kind of independent of the gunplay, and I mm. thought that was really cool. Um, It'll help you sort of process all the information and and help you kind of really uh, weave together this experience as if it is a novel, kind of like the first Alan Wake, where there were so many different levels of like storytelling with the, uh, you know, TV show and and all that stuff. So there's just all that multi-level storytelling that they do so well that they did in Quantum Break and um, in Control that. I think is now present here and but it fits within the Alan Wake universe. Um we saw a boss fight with that murderous character where he sort of rips a tree uh trunk out of the ground and he's chasing her but it didn't feel like a boss arena. It felt like you were having this encounter like in a forest. Um there was a 
a section where she's just kind of trudging through what looked like a flooded area of Bright Falls, kind of like maybe in between knee and ankle high water. Um, and that looked really impressive. It just, the visuals, I can't state enough or overstate how, how pretty this game looks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think when, if you, if you haven't read anything about the game or, or you're just kind of like getting a sense for what games media is rant, ranting and raving about from summer game fest, I think this is towards the top of the list, if not at the top. Um, and I felt the same way. I was really, really impressed with uh, everything I saw. And then, the whole presentation ends with, I'm not going to spoil it, but ends with a kind of cliffhanger to kind of like get you, get you invested in, in what's going on and how it factors into the larger story. And I was like, oh, this is, this is actually everything I wanted because even though so much of what they're, they're talking about has been focused on bringing new players in and using Saga as this, um, you know, character through which newcomers can learn about what happened in the first Alan Wake, there was still enough to to hook you as somebody who uh, maybe had, had already played the first Alan Wake or played it a dozen of times. It it really was a great presentation. Man, that's exciting. I, I was a little bummed hearing them describe it as a, a real pure survival horror because I tend not to love those games, but it's hard not yeah. to be, you know, I loved the first Alan Wake and, and it did have horror elements, certainly. I mean, it, a lot of, it being in the dark attacked by shadows and having to use your light and all that stuff. But it, they're so good at remedies. So good at action games. I just was worried that if it's pure survival horror and I'm worrying about how many bullets I'm using and stuff, I'm like, ah, I'm like, I'm like eh, that's not yeah, exactly what I, I was hoping I do, for. I do think that that's a, that's a, a potential concern. They did talk about, you know, they didn't want to use survival horror in the sense of cheap jump scares. Although there, he said that, and then there was literally a jump scare. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that was like a tongue in cheek thing, but you're going to probably hear a bunch of people say like, it's, it's Alan Wake meets Resident Evil. And I think that is kind of an apt comparison. The, one of the combat scenarios was just two bad guys. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like that sequence of, or those sequences of Alan Wake where, you know, he's dodging under the attacks of right. five different enemies and, and kind of picking them off one by one. It certainly felt like, okay, you really have to use your environment use where there might be light sources there's like they have some light safe havens that you can kind of go into and then they'll go away um and and but structured in a way that's more about tension and unease than i think just being like super scary yeah man so there's so much stuff uh that was talked about during the summer's games fest presentation um I'll let you guys pull out some others, but I, you know, I want to highlight some of the, the goofier stuff, which I thought was interesting. Like for example, Exoprimal cross street fighter six, which I don't even know what to make of that. There's like robot guile and robot Ryu. Uh, I don't know what that's about. Uh, there was the John Carpenter's toxic commando game. Uh, yes. Which, which I don't even know what to make of that. Uh, and then of course, Do you know what to make of Nicolas Cage. Well, that's where I was headed. Uh, then of course we can't talk about summer games fest without talking about Nick Cage who came out and, uh, you know, took over the stage with his unique brand of, uh, I mean, I think the guy seems he, 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 he was not Al Pacino. He came out there and gave it his all. He was a hundred percent invested. He was there to give people the Nick Cage experience. And it seems like he actually cares about, you know, 
being part of the video game world uh, in in a way, you know. <laughs> uh, but boy, did, did his uh, appearance in that video game not show well, in my opinion. Uh, it looked like hey, yes. he stuck a Nick Cage head on this model, and he's running around in the uncanny valley running around through the yeah. uncanny valley yeah visually because like the key art looks a lot better you know the in in the youtube theater where it was held while you were sort of watching nick cage talk they had the picture of the key art of like this is what nick cage looks like in the game yeah it's like wow that really looks like nick cage and then they showed the gameplay and was like ah, that doesn't so much look like nick cage expressionless but, nick cage running around yeah. and grunting he he went to the the Keanu Reeves school of how to, you know, talk about video games in a very esoteric manner that yeah. just makes you want to like meme him all day long. <laughs> very memeable, that's for sure. Uh just odd stuff. Just odd. Um any other thing Christian, what's uh, something you want to pull out of the uh Summer Games Fest presentation that you thought was interesting? Well, I want to zoom all the way out. Uh, we did this for Xbox, and uh, I often feel the other way than how I feel for this presentation for how Summer Games Fest presentations go. I thought this was an excellent showcase. It didn't feel overly long. Uh, I thought it was paced pretty dang well. There was a little, you know, awkward, like when people are on stage, uh, you know, it takes a little longer than maybe it should, or there's awkward like eye contact or like upstaging people and standing in weird places. But that is also the kind of beauty of doing it live and not having it just be a pre-recorded video. Um, and I thought this was a, a good, a good showcase. Um, and it was entertaining and it was well put together. So hats off to Jeff and the team for, I think, really knocking it out of the park in terms of bringing something that is fun to watch and also had surprises and, and fun games. My, my knit, I think with the showcase as a whole, and it, it is a small one, uh, Jeff kept saying how exciting it was to see that raw gameplay and I know that that's a reaction to, I think it was last year's or two years ago, where it was a bunch of logos and CGI trailers and stuff like that. But I wouldn't call anything we saw raw gameplay. It was highly edited gameplay, right? Like, it wasn't like, here's Trevor off screen playing this live for you. It was still a yeah. trailer, but it was it was showing gameplay. Again, yeah, it was, yeah. it was awkward phrasing to emphasize the fact that this wasn't, CG, it wasn't in-engine right. footage, you know. Uh, yeah. If this had happened after Xbox's showcase, it would have felt like he was throwing shade. Yeah, yes. right. But I thought it was great. Alan Wake 2, I think, is my most anticipated game of the year, maybe. Really? Because I love, I mean, I love Control. I love Alan Wake. I love what Remedy is doing. And I have questions about it, but I, I, I think I'm supposed to. And so right now it's in Remedy I Trust. Spider-Man 2. Do you have any questions that I could answer? <laughs> Perhaps. No, I think I have questions okay. I don't want answered yet. And okay. Hopefully they won't like the interaction between Saga and Alan and what playing as Alan is like and how it can, and you know, this, that, all, all that kind of the mystery of it, I think. Um, but I think that's intentional. That's going to be part of the narrative. I love interactive media because of the stories it can tell and how it can pull us in. And, and I think that this game, this game will do that in, in a very real way. So I'm super, super excited for that. I think there's a, a very good chance that Spider-Man 2 will be my favorite game of the year. But I also feel like I know what that is. So like right now, right, not having either, I'm like, ooh, I want Alan Wake 2 because I want to dive into its secrets and, and play around in its world. The game I want to highlight which I think seemed very interesting, even if it's not a for me type of game, but 
I thought it was very interesting and presented very well is yes, your grace. Mm. And I'm curious, Jeff, if that jumped out to you, because it seems, again, not a lot of like, you're out there killing all the stuff, but kind of presenting this world based on what you're doing and how you're doing it. I don't know. I thought it was fascinating. And it wasn't like a lot of other games that, you know, we had seen um, so far this summer. But isn't that a, uh, isn't that a, it, it is a sequel. Yeah. So I, played oh, the, I played the first one, which is called. Yes, your grace. Yes, your grace. This, this one's yes, called your grace, yes, your Snowfall. grace, Snowfall. Yeah. So yes, your grace oh, has been out okay. for a while, uh, since so 2020. Guess what, Christian, you can play that type of game right now. You can play it now. Well, that, it's very, it's Jeff, very cool. Get, yeah. Get the bumper ready about how many games we have. Oh, there are a lot of games. Uh, and some might even say. In fact, that's yeah. the takeaway from all of this is that so me much. saying this game seems new and exciting and it's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the crazy thing is, one, I've been here for way too long already. My family misses me. My wife and my son are ready to kill each other. <laughs> um, but I still have a bunch of games to see tomorrow for Ubisoft. And there were games at Summer Game Fest play days that I played or saw that I can't talk about for a little bit. Wow. So like they're yeah, they they packed this show. I mean, hats off to everybody that put it on. Like they they made this feel like E3 as opposed to uh last year where it was like here's Street Fighter and then here's a bunch of indie games. Yeah. It, it felt like okay, here are here are some heavy hitters that we're we're ready to show you or let you play. Yeah. And there were some cool games that I had not heard of like Banisher's Ghost of New Eden. Uh that game looked kind of interesting. Um it, I mean, I'm. I I can't wait for Baldur's Gate three. Uh, every, when does that come out? August thirty first, <laughs> and I guess you can play Starfield if you buy the earliest edition. You can play it September first, the next day. <laughs> That's enough time. And for if Baldur's you asked Gate. me, Jeff, name the two studios <laughs> whose RPGs are, in your opinion, the greatest, and the ones you would want to clear your schedule out. And spend weeks at a time in just in those worlds all by yourself. I'd be like, oh, Bethesda Game Studios and Larian. Whatever those two, you know, the the last two Larian games were, I think, I think my favorite games of the years they came out. Uh, Divinity, Original Sins 1 and 2. And the fact that they're doing an actual D&D game. I've already got Baldur's Gate 3 on my hard drive in some capacity. And I've played... I stopped playing it because I, I had already played some of the pr- preview and they were changing stuff. And I was like, I just want to wait till this game comes out August 31st. Oh, amazing. Perfect. End of summer. There's probably not going to be anything until like October or November at the earliest that I'll want to dive into with such in such a degree. Perfect. August 31st. That sounds great. And here comes Starfield September 6th, full release September 1st. If you buy the collector's edition, it's un- un- unfathomable to me how, that that is the worst news that could be for me. I don't know. I do <laughs> no, not know what to do. Clear. You only have to clear your schedule once. It's great. Yeah, I guess. You just. I genuinely. I do not know what to do. Like this is a catastrophe for me on a scheduling level. <laughs> this is the worst possible future. Welcome to me last year when they released Elden Ring and a Destiny DLC in the same like. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks fan and a good destiny dlc too uh, i also am super True. excited about path of exile too like the path of exile team literally supported their game for a decade and they knocked another it out of the small park. game such yeah. such a great 
And that game, Path of Exile 2 looks really cool. I mean, we only saw brief snippets of it, but it looks really great. And I'm loving Diablo 4 so much. I'm like, ah, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious how much the Diablo effect will have on. Yeah. You know, those people that are like, I never played a a game like this before. Diablo 4 is amazing. And then they're like, I'm looking for more content. Here comes Path of Exile 2 to say, hey, you like Diablo 4? This game is just like that. Yeah. And I'm curious. Um man anything we else have you guys to say final fan we have to say final well, fantasy 7 rebirth well yeah we i said, mean I was i'm here to up. say yeah. final yeah. fantasy okay yeah. all right well like we'll, yeah. get, we'll get to it guys i know we're pushing we'll up against to it. we're at two hours uh let's that's the one that ended the show final fantasy 7 rebirth everybody knew it was coming there was like a branded final fantasy ad in the middle and he's like speaking of final fantasy and the whole whole audience went Whoa, and he's like no 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 not yet not yet not yet <laughs> that's that's the end of the show no nah, no nah, nah. um so i'll you guys itching at the you know chomping at the bit here to talk uh final fantasy 7 rebirth anthony mm-hmm. what do you think does it look good it definitely looks good. I mean, I you know, <laughs> I, okay. Moving on. I, I, I honestly, yeah, I honestly, I understand why we wanted to talk about it so bad. <laughs> I mean, well, there, there's, there's a few things that are really exciting. One, it kind of seems like there's going to be live party switching. Um, the remake, the the first, I don't even know what do you even call it, the first one, uh, but the first one of the remake of the other yeah. game yeah, yeah but it's not really a remake of the other game if you play the, remake the remastered version it's all it's <laughs> final so fantasy 7 remake yes <laughs> anyway that yeah it's kind of seemed like there were other characters in the background of the battles and that maybe potentially you could swap them in on the fly which seems really exciting um the just the slight details of like oh this is this character um uh, i don't really want to pronounce his name but i think it's like Bugenhagen. Um, nailed it i i don't know i'm sorry final fantasy fans you don't you don't usually have to say the words out loud because when you played it initially you just read it then you have to say them out loud you had to say you had to learn is it chocobo or is it chocobo um you know you had to you had to have all those (laughs) things set out awkward playground interaction with your friends (laughs) yes um but yeah just seeing like those little details of okay here's um, this place that you know, or this character you know, rendered in this beautiful modern uh, design. Uh, the open, the disc two, if you will, of Final Fantasy VII is known for opening up a bunch. So they gave lots of hints of, um, you know, being able to be out in a, in a more expansive area. Um, combat looks just as good. I, I mean, I was sold. Like there was, there was no way I wasn't going to play this game. You could have showed me nothing and just said, here's rebirth after playing remake, which I really, really loved. Um, I was sold, but the fact that, uh, they were willing to show a trailer and say, Hey, it's coming out in early 2024 when final fantasy 16 releases in like 11 days or something like that. It's kind of bonkers. Granted, yeah. it could very well be delayed f- you know, Square Enix loves to delay its Final Fantasy games, but it, it's kind of crazy that within a year worth of time, we're going to have two big mainline, mainline-ish Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, the rumors were that we were going to get this trailer and that it was coming and this, that, and the other, but I was still genuinely surprised that it was uh, as big of a trailer as it as it ended up being, especially with Final Fantasy 16 being you know, right there. Um, 
or, you know, in terms of coming out. I thought they would maybe wait for this kind of, and maybe there isn't even a bigger deep dive happening after Final Fantasy 16, uh, you know, has its moment in the sun, even though they're very different games, but just because they are kind of these mainline Final Fantasy games. I think what excites me the most about Rebirth is how big it might be. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake was, I think, famous for being, oh my gosh, they took the first 90 minutes of the game and, you know, like how they changed things, how they made parts bigger, how they made other parts smaller and those types of tweaks. And at the end, when they had that on two discs, I'm assuming it's not just for, you know, giggles because that's <laughs> originally no, this game that's, was so that's big. goofy. That's goofy. You think? You don't think it's yeah, going to be that big? I think it's gonna, I, I think it's going to be big. Game, I, there have been games where there are two discs and one disc is just the install disc. <laughs> you know, like it's not really well, you're not I don't think you're going to be switching discs. I don't know if it'll be switching discs, but I think I think there's a chance that Rebirth is is big. But that's the whole point I mean, of saying on two discs. I mean, is supposed well, oh, no, to you switch evolve. like Oh yeah, I think like maybe maybe you do. Maybe I could see the last third being on a new disc if you get the disc version and if not, you got to buy the new uh Oh, never mind. That's the Xbox. It has the one terabyte. You got to put in a new, uh, <laughs> new yeah. SSD in your console to get this baby to run. Because I, I mean, it's a beautiful game, and all of the environments that they showed, the different you know world environments and this that, and the other that we love in Final Fantasy VII. I don't know. I, I, I'm excited. I think this could be a big chunk in terms of you know as they're breaking off Final Fantasy VII and remaking it piece by piece. I think this might be a meaty, a meaty, meaty piece. Meaty, 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 meaty. Uh, yeah, it looks great. It looks amazing. Um, I'm impressed. And uh, I thought it was a cool way to end the show. I thought it was a cool way to end the show. I think people were excited about it. And, you know, Final Fantasy is like kind of hitting some high points right now. And, man, uh, it's crazy that they turn this, this game into a trilogy. Uh, and uh, I, I think this one's going to be fun to play, too. Um, and it looked really, really pretty. So, man, any other stuff from the the Summer Games Fest that you guys are... I mean, there's like dozens of games that were shown that we we're skipping over, but there's just so much. There's there's too many games. There's too many. There's also a PC game show that had dozens of games in it. Uh, I want to... Actually, I want to take my time to pull out a few of those because I thought there were some really cool games that I'd never heard of, including uh, Ebenezer Invisible World. Do you guys see this? Christian, I feel like this is a game you're going to love. 2D action platformer where you play old Ebenezer Scrooge, I think. But he can, like, use ghosts as... It looked awesome. It looked awesome. Um, Like, Castlevania meets Christmas Carol. (laughs) Just bonkers, but really cool art style. Um, There was another PC game show game uh, called Islands of Insight that they were described as a shared world puzzle adventure game. So imagine something like the witness, but you play it as like an MMO or, or at least a, a co-op experience. But shared world means more MMO to me, but you're playing with multiple people. So you're all kind of solving these puzzles, no combat, none of the usual trappings of an MMO, it seems. Uh, and you're just wandering around solving Puzzles transforming the world, flying around with these magic wings looked so neat and such a uh, unique idea. Uh, and then two more I want to uh, bring up from the PC game show. Um, one was, uh, where is it? Uh, um, Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew, which had a really killer trailer 
I'm not exactly sure what kind of game it is, but it's top down isometric, piratey, looks like kind of a uh actiony, but maybe like a stealth game. Just looked really, really unique and awesome. And you know how much I love uh isometric, top down isometric games. Um tons more shown in that that uh showing for uh, Baldur's Gate 3, which makes me very excited. Uh and then a game called My Friendly Neighborhood. Did you guys see this game? This is no. There's too many, Jeff. Too many games. Like my neighborhood. I haven't. I have been stepped in my hotel room until we started to record. So anything <laughs> okay. that so happened my friendly while neighborhood I was out, I didn't see. is uh, is not a game I'm going to play. But I love that it exists. It is a horror first person shooter game where you're fighting Muppets. It's it's what if Sesame Street was a horror game? It's it's called My Friendly Neighborhood, and there are Muppets from a children's like <laughs> happy children's television type program that uh, want to kill you. And I is it like a Five Nights at Freddy's, but Muppets instead of animatronics. Definitely a Five Nights at Freddy's vibe to it, but uh, it's. <laughs> You got to see the trailer. It's uh, hilarious. And the fact that they're literally like calling it my friendly neighborhood, which is invoking Sesame Street is pretty great. Um, They had a big thing about the Dune Awakening MMO, which made me think I'm not going to really enjoy that game. (laughs) And uh, I mean, there's so much, so much, you guys. Too many games is the theme of our show. Uh, any other final thoughts? I mean, we're at two hours and 10 minutes. I feel like we didn't even do a good job getting through all of the craziness that happened in the last two days. And as I said, we have more to come. Uh, we're going to do an early paid DLC program that we're actually going to release to the entire audience. It's not going to be just for patrons. Although, thank you, patrons, for making it possible. Uh, where Lana and Christian and I are going to talk about Ubisoft and Capcom and whatever else happens in the next 24 hours. Um and any things that we might might fall through the cracks here. Uh, but anything else you guys want to bring up uh, in the last few minutes here, Christian? I mean, I, I think for me is is nothing about what we've seen, but I am curious what next year looks like in the, the year after that. Like, I love questions like that. I'm, I'm curious if E3 comes back, what Jeff continues to grow um, Summer Game Fest into and how it maybe feels different than E3 because I think in a lot of ways this felt similar still but yet smaller because Sony and Nintendo's absence and I'm curious if people will start to look at things and maybe break away more you know will we see more fractured um, shows and showcases and just having it clumped all together work or, or our games getting left out was the smartest thing Sony did having theirs earlier where we spent a whole you know, two hours just on Sony show versus tonight where it's like, there's too much. And so I'm fascinated by that question, but as just a fan of games, this has been a heck of a heck of a weekend and and there's still more to come. So it's pretty wild 2023. I mean, a lot of this stuff was 2024 and in the Xbox conference for sure. But my goodness, when you're talking about potentials for game of the year, I mean, obviously tears of the kingdom is going to be in that conversation. And we've got, you know, we've literally got, uh, Baldur's Gate and uh, Starfield coming out within a week of each other. We've got Spider-Man 2 and Alan Wake 2 coming out within a week of each other. All of that is before November. I mean, this is the September-October zaniness. I, I, it's like, 
an abundance of riches. We're overwhelming to to me, <laughs> honestly. And you know, Street Fighter Six people are talking about being in that conversation. And also, Jeff didn't mention Armored Core, but I'm here to mention Armored Core. Oh, you played Armored Core, didn't you? No, 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 no. Oh, you didn't, or you you're not able to talk about it. You did. Armored Core is going to be a very big game that a lot of people are very excited about. Um, <laughs> I from software. Yeah, from, from software. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. It's just so much, you guys. It's 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 overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Uh and Final Fantasy 16 is in that conversation probably. Uh I just I can't. I, I do want to say so two things that I played at Summer Game Fest play days. Uh I'm I've seen it once and then I got to play it Disney Illusion Island, I think. Oh yeah. It's going to be huge. That's the um, 2D sort of Rayman-esque uh, Disney game, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's a four-player co-op. They've put in lots of ac- accessibility options. So, you know, playing with your kids, playing with people that don't normally play games, playing with people that, um, you know, don't have that feeling for the precision platformers, a la like a Ori or something like that, um, can still work together and you can help them. Um, but even those people that want like a super challenge, you can kind of knock down your hearts available and make it a lot more difficult. Uh, I, yeah, I played it and it feels so smooth. It, it, it has all the feelings you want. It has a good Metroidvania approach to it of, okay, you're going through here, you beat a boss or you go here and you get, um, a power. And now there's all these new areas you can go to. And the coolest thing about it is there's no combat. Everything you do, even the boss fights, is all platforming. Everything wow. you interact cool. with, every enemy on, on the on the screen, it's just about avoiding their attacks, jumping under them, you know, dodging under them, double jumping over them, what what have you. I'm uh very much excited for that game. And also I really loved Remnant uh from the Ashes. I think it was on my uh hidden gems the year it came out and I played some remnant too. And uh, that game looks just as good, if not better. Uh, it's like the, be- the, the kind of uh, elevator pitch that most people use is it's dark souls with guns. Um, and it, it's a super fun game. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed what I played of the second one. Oh, so much th- stuff, you guys. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's exciting. It's certainly an exciting time to be fans of video games. And uh, we barely scratched the surface. But like I said, be with us uh, tomorrow. If you're listening to this uh, Monday, tomorrow, Tuesday, we'll be releasing yet another episode uh, talking about all of this summer gaming reveal time, uh, not to be known as E3. Uh, But it's exciting. It's exciting stuff. Thank you for supporting us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Anthony, tell folks where they can follow you and all the cool stuff that you're doing online. So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be here for a little bit longer. Uh, I'm not sure what else is going to come out while I'm here, but if you just keep going to game rant or you want to follow me on Twitter at Aunt Tormina, um, I'll share the things that I do write about. I already have a write up for mortal Kombat one and a write up for Alan wake. Uh, there are some things coming in maybe like the next week that I think you should, uh, stick tuned to my Twitter for that. I can talk about in a, in a later date. Um, pretty much anything you're curious about. What did I think of Disney illusion Island or some other things that I played like remnant? Uh, I'm going to be writing those up and giving more in-depth thoughts. Uh, uh, you can find them on gamerant.com or you can just follow me on Twitter and I'll share a link to that. 
Very cool, man. Disney Illusion Island comes out July 28th. That's very soon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Christian, uh, any plugs you want to do for the end of the show here? Well, totally unrelated to anything Anthony might have been talking about. I think we're going to have a very fun paid DLC uh, in a couple of weeks also. Totally unrelated to anything else, but I'm excited to, uh, to have a great show this week and another great show next week. And I'm excited for June 23rd when season two of Feeling This starts for patrons, patreon.com slash paid, paid DLC, <laughs> patreon.com slash DLC pod. Season two starts on the 23rd. Season one, all 10 episodes are available now. Season two, audio version, video on demand version. I think people are really, really going to dig it. So, um, so check those out. Yes. Uh, and I hope you dig it too. And we are indebted to our patrons for making this show possible, making all the ancillary content we're doing possible. We really appreciate you, patrons. Patreon.com slash DLC pod is where you go to support the show. Of course, we never want you to support it if it would put you in any kind of financial hardship. Uh, There are free ways to support the show. Tell your friends, post about us on social media, um, spread the word about DLC if you enjoy the content. Uh, But if you are able... We love your support at patreon.com slash DLC pod. And there are folks who support us at the highest level, the hype train level patrons. They get their name shouted out at the end of every episode. Christian's going to do that right now. This summer, DLC is proud to thank the hype train patrons for making DLC possible and helping bring the show to audiences all over the world. Speaking of world, now it's time for this episode's world exclusive. Hype Train patron, thank you. Soren Silk, Yick, Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, Comedian, Aaron Trahan, Joe Ruken, Scott Lambert, Joe D. Frank, Stephen T. Cypher, Tyler, Buckwild, Broad, Dwayne T. Robinson, Rob, Wonder Rob, Dominguez, Kevin, Eddie, Brian, Jordan, Hyper, Boy, Six Six, David F., John, Cisco, Matt, Valdez, Andy, Joyce, Anthony, Gulas, Dan, Flanagan, Sasan, Adam, Denby, Jonathan, Talbert, Chris, Zacharias, Will, with one L, Harris, Jonathan, Putney, Mark, Gowlin, Malcolm King, De and Palmino, Ben, coming in 2024, Ben, release date to be determined. Kevin Brazel, Stu Goss, Jonathan, Spiceman Forever, Lefler, Albert, Verhelda Dio, Spiceman Silencer, Mike Lombardo, Mike Goldbuck, 
Peter Olberg, Jack, Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratsiu, Jason Novak, Taylor Wigger, Josh Peak, Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis. All of the names you've heard were rendered in-engine using real-time voice effects and launching within the next 12 months unless it's delayed. And then we give it a new release date and then delay it again one more time after that. World Exclusive. All right. Thanks again for listening to this special episode of DLC. We'll see you real soon tomorrow with more. Thanks for listening. And until next time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.